Good morning and welcome to the program. Great to have your company. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. 13 12 69 if you want to send us a text. You can do that as well. 0458 049 209. And the emails directly here to the studio. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com on this Thursday, January 28th. Give me a call, 13 12 69. All the news and your views, Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, what's going on in federal Labor? I see Anthony Albanese is now considering a reshuffle as soon as this weekend. There are ructions. We've got a call into Albo. Hopefully he'll come on today and have a chat with us. The Shadow Energy Minister, Mark Butler, is one of the senior MPs expected to be given a new portfolio. Uh, Mr Albanese is looking at garnering support in coal mining regions for the party. I wonder whether he's asked Joel to come back to his front bench, back into the cabinet. Mm, Not quite sure. So here we are. Great to have you, company. 131269, if you'd like to be a part of the program. Uh, that's calling us on the open line and texts 0458 049 209. Well, yesterday, as you would have heard, the Premier New South, uh, New South Wales Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, announced an easing of restrictions on gatherings, weddings and funerals from this Friday. Up to 30 people, including children, will be able to gather in a household and up to 50 people will be able to gather outdoors together. Now, good news for those who are planning weddings. Up to 300 people will be permitted to attend weddings and funerals as long as they comply with the four square metre rule. That's good news for the hospitality industry and those industries who've had to deal with the harshest restrictions when it comes to caps on numbers for big events like weddings. So hopefully uh, this will restart our wedding industry in New South Wales, that is. There will be no caps on the number of people allowed in hospitality venues and places of worship as long as people comply with the four square metre rule. Look, I think mostly we have been. And, you know, if things get a little, uh, well, packed and if people start uh, to, you know, for some reason, whatever it is, whether they've had a couple of drinks or maybe um, they just don't realise they're getting too close to other people, usually security intervene and 99.9% of the time people comply and say, oh, sorry about that, yes. Masks, let's have a look. Well, masks will be mandatory still on public transport, and so they should be, to be honest. 
but they will only be strongly recommended in retail settings. Now, the Premier said if case numbers stay at zero or very low, restrictions would be eased for hospitality venues and places of worship in the future. So we'll see what happens. So just repeating, masks, by the way, still mandatory for public transport, hospitality workers, people in places of worship, people in gaming rooms and people in beauty salons. But there's been an increase in the number of people allowed to weddings and funerals. It goes up to 300 people. So that's good news. If you want to comment on that, give me a call. 13 12 69 being the telephone number. Marcus Paul in the morning. So what on earth is going on in federal labour? We will try and speak to Albo on the program this morning if we can. Uh, He's been a little quiet of late, a little hard to get a hold of. Labor leader Anthony Albanese is set to sack his climate spokesman and longtime factional ally Mark Butler in what's being reported as a drastic frontbench reshuffle aimed at recapturing the party's base in mining regions. A senior figure in Mr Albanese's left faction, Mr Butler is expected to be among senior MPs tipped to switch portfolios in this weekend's major shake-up. But former frontbencher and regular on our program, Joel Fitzgibbon, last night warned the changes should go further. It should send the right signal to our traditional base, but a change in jockey will not be enough. OK, well, what do you mean by that, Joel? We'll discuss this more this morning, but they do, certainly do need to do something. And as I've been saying on my program for months now, Something needs to give. If Labor are to have absolutely any chance at the next election, something needs to give. Is this the start, perhaps, of at least looking like they're wanting to return to the traditional Labor voting base? That is, the blue-collar workers, those in, you know, former very industrious manufacturing areas of our cities, and certainly those up in the Hunter in the mining territories of New South Wales and Queensland, where they seem to have lost a lot of support to people like One Nation. Anyway, if you want to have your say, 13 12 69, the telephone number will follow up on that. Look, police have charged a woman over fraud on the New South Wales mid-north coast. This is that 32-year-old who allegedly fraudulently obtained six New South Wales government grants for bushfire disaster relief and COVID-19 support. She was arrested at a correctional facility in Kempsey earlier this month and charged with eight offences and she's expected to face Cessnock local court today. So that's my listeners up there on the mid-north coast. All right, what else has been making news? Well, new figures reveal the total cost of sending a child to school continues to play significant strain on a family budget. The estimated cost of sending a child to a government school across Sydney over 13 years is projected to be around $90,000. And sending a child to an independent school is likely to cost almost $450,000 while the total cost of a Catholic education in Sydney will be more than $128,000. Kate Hill is from 
uh, Futurity Investment Group. And she says it highlights the need for parents to plan ahead and consider all of the costs associated with sending their child to school. How do you do that, Kate? You can't... You've got to be a really, really good planner and have a bloody big diary to plan ahead for 13 years. It's a bit of a silly story, I think. Um, Futurity Investment Group, who the hell are they? And what the hell have they got to do with any of it? Sounds like a, a PR story that's come through our newsroom to me, to be honest. Well, duh, of course it's expensive to send kids to, or more expensive to send kids to Catholic schools and independent schools in New South Wales. I'm more interested in the estimated cost of sending a child to a government school, which over 13 years is projected to be around $90,000. Well, over 13 years, it's not a lot of money really, over 13 years. I'll just shy of around six or seven. Well, I suppose it is. But anyway, uh, this Futurity Investment Group sounds like they're trying to put a bit of spin through as news. What are they, a PR company or someone sent this through to the newsroom? Anyway, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have you say. Uh, and, uh, of course, the emails, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Uh, government data obtained via a freedom of, um, freedom of information request shows the $4.3 billion M8 toll road, which was designed to reduce surface traffic off local roads, has instead, are you ready for it, increased local traffic as trucks and cars avoid the exorbitant toll on the road. No kidding. Data shows weekly traffic between 1am and 5am has increased by 137%. The traffic volumes are still bad approaching the morning peak with weekly vehicle movements increasing by 79%. See, again, it's all about the cost of the tolls. The increase in surface traffic comes after the government introduced a $7.23 toll on the M5 East motorway each way. The road had been free for the last 20 years, so the tolls caused thousands of motorists to jump on local roads to avoid the costs. And they were warned about this. I'm going to speak to the member for COGRA, Chris Minns, about this just after 6.30. Now, the government had anticipated a 35% increase in surface traffic after applying the toll to the M5 East, seemingly aware that the toll imposition would prompt some drivers to avoid the financial impost. However, the actual numbers show a far larger increase than even the government expected. Now, Mr Minns, will be on the program very soon, says these tunnels cost billions and are designed to get cars and trucks off local roads, but the exact opposite thing is happening here. Well, no kidding. All you've got to do is speak to the local member in Campbelltown who represents his constituents uh, in the, the area comprising the MacArthur. And he's been telling us for the last year, people travelling from Sydney's southwest have had enough. They've had a gutful. It's one toll after another. In fact, I would argue that most Sydney siders have had a gutful. So what's coming next? Because this hasn't worked, the M8's not working for the government, were well, they going to force trucks off Bexley Road and Stony Creek Road and, uh, you know, all the other major roads around that area just to make sure they travel through this expensive tunnel?
Probably. It's the way they roll. Hello, Mark. Are you there, mate? How are you? All right. Are thank you, you, mate. On When we used to do quotes on things, we used to write the job plus GST. Now we write plus tolls as well. Of course. That's, like, that's big bucks when you drive a truck along those roads. It's Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's a big, like if you do three tolls in a day, like that's it's a labourer for a day. Yep. So, like, that's madness. Where'd, where'd you say that traffic had increased? Is it the Penn Hills one? No, 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 no the, uh, the North Connects one, I haven't got some details on yet. Uh, no, this one that's increased is the M8. That's the M5. That's the new toll on that tunnel. Remember, we had uh, no the, toll. The Penn Hills one? No, no, the M5. Oh. Okay. Yeah, sorry. yeah, that's the one running to the airport. So this is the new oh, tunnel yeah. that runs via the airport toward Ramwick now and, and down toward that area of Sydney. So yeah. they say that uh, this new $7.23 toll on the M5 East motorway each way, by, by the way, has led to a 79% increase in traffic oh, movements. Oh, bucks. Wow. Is that each way? Yeah. That means if, say I sent three trucks to a job, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they had to come home again. That's big bucks, isn't it? Of course it is. And you've got to remember that uh, this road was free for two decades. Free. You didn't yeah, have to, yeah. The, the thing is, we got told that the, the green slip was going to go down when it was privatised. That went up. We got to, told the toll roads were going to be cheaper when they got privatised. That went up. So everything's just going up and up and up and up. Well, it, it's obvious, Mark, that the New South Wales Liberals simply don't give a shit about the ability of Sydney families I, I to know. pay tolls. I, 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 I just look at what's happening now. I just think it's getting so hard to even make a living now. I don't know. I mean, the government indicated late last year they intend on privatising the remaining uh, government stake in the West Connects company. That will mean the toll road company will be 100% privately owned and run with all profits from Sydney motorists sent to the private firms. <laughs> I don't know. Selling us down the river. Hello, Peter. Are you there, mate? Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? All right, thanks, Pete. What's on your mind? Oh, just when you mentioned uh, Mr Albanese... Um, I'm a tradesman, mate, mid-50s, um, self-employed, finished my apprenticeship, been a contractor, I've employed people, I've subcontracted the people. Anyway, like the government, uh, they have no relationship. I imagine that makes me blue-collar worker. Like the government, no relationship, mate. They're so out of touch. All they do to me, and this is my opinion, when you speak Labor um, Party, on the radio and I hear it, yeah. all that goes through my mind is gender politics, climate politics, multicultural politics. There's no nuts and bolts. There's no one generating anything to actually pay for it all. They're just, they're just a nightmare. They might as well stop and start again. Mm. But like, the unions have screwed. They've totally screwed our manufacturing industry. You want to be pointing at China and all these people. We priced ourselves out. And that doesn't necessarily impact the private sector. But it's, it's just insane, mate. I don't have a problem with them, but, but we need we need the two parties, three parties, whatever. We need we need the input, but they need to have something um, of structure, of substance to back it up. It's like well, the, they the need to get back. Yeah. 
They need to get the part of your feelings. They need to get back to the days where, you know, Paul Keating, when running for Prime Minister, would, you know, get nearly a 1,000 people out to Blacktown at the, the railway station there just to see him and hear him make a speech because he was talking about jobs in Western Sydney. He was talking about manufacturing, about making stuff and about a positive future. He wasn't spruiking about, you know, whether or not we should have electric cars, whether or not, uh, you know, climate change is a major issue of Australia at the moment and whether we should uh, agree to targets set by, you know, <laughs> foreign interests, etc. And he wasn't, uh, you know, we weren't kowtowing to the United Nations and we seemingly put Australia first and workers first. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether Albo's actually cutting through and doing that at the moment. No, nah, mate, he lacks, he lacks the backbone, actually, the whole bunch of them. But anyway, just my opinion, mate. Uh, great call. Thanks, Thanks Pete. Mate. I appreciate it. Bye-bye, mate. Yes, Lawsie is back next Monday, 13 12 69, the telephone number. If you'd like to have your chat with me this morning, uh, we will uh, have a chat to Chris Minns. Uh, of course, he's been fighting against toll increases. He's the member for COGRA. And the Shadow Minister for Transport. And, of course, a lot of people in his neck of the woods are those affected by this toll, this $7.23 toll on the M8 or the M5 East motorway. And um, according to stats and data out today, traffic volumes are very bad. Uh, We've got a 79% increase in local traffic on side streets, if you like, people doing the rat run because they don't want to pay the toll. Well, it makes sense. There wasn't a toll there for two decades. What did the government think was going to happen when they introduced it? Okay, welcome back to the program. Great to have you company this morning. 13 12 69 is my telephone number on this Thursday, January 28th. And thousands of extra cars and trucks have flooded onto Sydney's southern roads since a new toll was imposed on the M5 East motorway. So basically a new toll on an old road. It doesn't fly with people in Sydney's southwest and Sydney's south. An average 7,500 extra vehicles a day were recorded at the intersection of Forest and Stony Creek Roads in Bexley after the toll was introduced on the M5 East in the middle of last year. Government analysis obtained under Freedom of Information has revealed this. Westbound traffic on Stony Creek Road has jumped 25% since July compared with average traffic volumes in July 2019. Motorists appear to be circumventing the toll. They're dodging it. Why? Because they simply can't afford it. What is so hard for the New South Wales government to understand? I really don't... 4% increases. You've got... What is it? At least... Two, maybe more toll increases each and every year. And the government still wants to flog off more of our road infrastructure. Anyway, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have your say on this. We'll speak to Chris Minns about it, the Shadow Transport Minister, in just a couple of moments. Uh, Tony Abbott, I see, has made news as well. He's described Australia's coronavirus restrictions as hysteria. In a video statement... Uh, Australia has only 28,000 COVID-19 cases compared to the 100 million worldwide. So Tony uh, went on social media with this. It was almost the mark of an Australian to sit beside the driver in the front seat of a taxi. Because here, in this country, 
No one's better than anyone else. But like so much, that's currently against the rules, along with singing, dancing, and having too many friends and family around for a barbecue. Thanks to the pandemic, we're now told to form orderly and socially distanced queues, as if we were English. For the past year, we've been coping with a potentially deadly disease, but it takes a fair dose of virus hysteria and health despotism for Australians to be barred from Victoria without first getting a visa. Hmm, what do you make of it? 13 12 69 is the telephone number. I mean, Tony has a right, I guess, as a former Prime Minister to have his say. Are you buying what he's selling here? Marcus Paul in the morning. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. All right, well, I mentioned it uh, at the top of the show and just a moment or two ago, government data obtained via a FOI request shows that the $4.3 billion M8 toll road is a dud. It was designed to reduce traffic, uh, surface traffic on local roads, but instead it's increased local traffic as trucks and cars avoid the ridiculous toll on the road. Data shows weekly traffic between 1am and 5am has increased by 137%. You know, when people are trying to sleep around Stony Creek Road, Bexley Road, Forest Road, trucks are zooming past. Why? Because understandably, they don't want to pay the toll uh, on a road that was free for two decades. $7.23 each way. It's ridiculous. The traffic volumes are still bad approaching the morning peak with weekly vehicle movements increasing at 6am and they're telling us there's around about a 79% increase in movements around this period. Anyway, let's talk to the shadow uh, spokesperson on transport, Chris Minns. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Marcus, how are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, mate. Uh, I've been banging on about this and uh, I think it's going to be a major issue heading into the next state election, whenever that might be. Uh, Sydney siders, in my opinion, are sick to the back teeth, particularly people in you know the working class belt of Sydney in the south west, the Macarthur region, the Nepean region, up around the Hawkesbury region, where first home buyers are trying to settle into their lives and pay quite heavy mortgages and increased cost of living expenses. And we've got a government here in New South Wales that's hell-bent on making us all pay for the privilege of driving on roads. I hate the privatisation of roads. Tolls are a menace in our city. Well, I couldn't say it better than that, Marcus. You're absolutely right. I mean, they're squeezing Sydney families tighter and tighter and tighter. And if you think about uh, the M5 in particular, a road that's been free for 20 years, it's now over $7 to use it each way. We we did a calculation that indicated if a young trader used that road each day of his or her working life, they'd rack up an extra $3,000 a year in tolls paid to uh, the West Connex company. Now, that's just unaffordable. Everybody knew it would be unaffordable when the deed was signed with the private company the government went ahead with it anyway, and they're just not taking into account the ability to pay for thousands of Sydney families. I think it's a rotten choice. It's a secret tax on those that can least afford to pay it. 
And I think it's a scandal. I genuinely do. Well, I think it's going to be a major issue heading into the next election. I mean, I'll be screaming about it till I'm blue in the face. To make matters worse, toll roads in Sydney are subject to an annual 4% increase, more than double the rate of inflation, making a bad situation even worse, Chris. Yeah, I mean, this will really, maybe it won't shock your listeners, but it should outrage them. The toll road companies have a 4% carve-out for increases in tolls. It doesn't matter what the economy is doing. It could be in the absolute toilet. We could have one of the worst recessions or economic uh, declines for 30 years, which is exactly what we have at the moment. It doesn't matter. The tolls climb 4% each year, every year, like a metronomic clock. And it's uh, the people of Western City that have to pay it. It's a secret tax on them. Absolutely it is. Absolutely, it's a secret tax. And it's, if not double, but bloody triple dipping. I mean, we're already paying. Remember the old three-by-three three when, you know, the government's got their hands in their po- in our pockets uh, paying for petrol? We've got excise taxes on fuel. We've got registration taxes, stamp duty on the purchase of vehicles. You pay stamp duty every time you register your car. I mean, where does it stop, Chris? I mean, at the end of the day, I thought when I registered my vehicle and I paid, uh, I mean, putting aside third party, we know what that is for, but I thought when I paid a stamp duty or an excise on registering my vehicle, that money was going towards paying for the roads that my car would drive on. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And the government would have you believe that this is all perfectly normal. But the truth is, as Sydney University discovered last year, Sydney is the most tolled city in the world per kilometre of tolled road. It's Tollmania. So it's Tollmania. It's, it's our citizens that are paying way more than other major cities, even cities with bigger populations that can get their uh, commuters around in a quicker way. It's just too expensive. And look, if you think about it this way, uh, these toll roads, the M8 in particular, which cost $4.5 billion of taxpayer money to build, uh, was supposed to reduce surface traffic. The exact opposite has happened when it comes to traffic in Bexley and Beverly Hills and Kingsgrove. It's increased by, in some instances, over 100%. So imagine the craziness of spending billions of dollars to reduce surface traffic and the exact opposite is taking place. It's happening for one simple reason. Sydney tolls are just too expensive. The M2, the M4, the M5, the M7, the M8, North Connects, West Connects, the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, uh, the on-ramp on the Military Road, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, uh, uh, sorry, the Lane Cove Tunnel. Uh, Let's have a look. What what am I missing here, Chris? The Lane Cove Tunnel, the Cross City Tunnel. I mean, where does it stop? There's a distributor. Sorry, forgot about that one. My God. And there's more coming. There's more coming. Um, And look, my great fear, particularly for Western Sydney, is that the government will look at the toll road network for the West, say, look, we've spent billions of dollars on it, and then wash their hands of it and say, look, our job's done. Now, you can't have a situation where the East and the North get public transport and the West gets toll roads. That is... The definition of an unequal outcome. Uh, Western Sydney families deserve better than that. And it's no solution for the long-term growth of Sydney. You can't just rely on toll roads that increasingly get more and more expensive.
No, no, absolutely not. Uh, and Sydney used to be a place where everybody was welcome. I get the impression now under this mob, it's a case of, well, you know, if you're well to do and you, you, know, you, you make a, a fair bit of dough, well, then you, know, you can cope with the 4% increase. You can, you can pay the tolls. Not everybody, you know, is in big business. Not everybody's earning, you know, six-figure salary figures. Uh, and people are trying to bring up young people, as you mentioned, tradies and others, living out in the MacArthur region, the west and the southwest of Sydney, out around the Nepean and Hawkesbury area. I mean, these young people are trying to bring up families in a city that's already expensive enough when it comes to property. I mean, what are we doing? We're just pushing people out of a city that used to welcome young Australians as a part of its culture, as a part of its growth. I mean, who, why on earth would you want to stay here? Yeah, I mean, I think for many people, it's a very, very difficult choice. Either they battle Sydney's traffic. I mean, you raise a really good point because when I've criticised the Minister for Transport on this in the past, particularly in the Parliament, he, he kind of swans in and says, look, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, if you don't want to pay the tolls, you just use surface roads. I mean... What's the big deal? Literally, almost that's verbatim what he tells the parliament. Now, I mean, that's not taking into consideration the fact that for thousands of families, they can't afford 20 or $30 a day in tolls. Well, they Andrew, can't afford yeah. it. I mean, they're so out of touch. People like Andrew Constance. Andrew wouldn't have a bloody clue. It's all right when you're being swanned around in com cars every day, or you know what I mean, like taxpayer-funded mm. transport which is their way, and I, I get that's part of the lurks and perks of the job. Not everybody gets a taxpayer-funded car and chauffeur, Andrew. Not everybody can afford to pay these exorbitant tolls because not everybody earns the kind of money you do. That's right. And, I mean, I, look, I, I, many people are doing it very, very tough. If the JobKeeper and JobSeeker payments stop, the transition payments from the government stop early this year, it will get worse, not better. We really have to be focusing on the ability of families to pay uh, for these government tolls. And to think that, to make matters worse, it's on the chopping block that the remaining stake of West Connex is due to be privatised this year. Well, you'll have a 100% privately owned monopoly toll road company. You can just imagine who's going to get the raw end of the deal when that goes through. All right, mate. Good to have you on. We'll chat soon, Chris. Thanks, Marcus. All the best. All right, you too. There he is, uh, the New South Wales Shadow Transport Minister, a member for COGRA, Chris Minns. I mean, he's absolutely right. These tunnels cost billions of dollars and were designed to get cars and trucks off our local roads, but the exact opposite thing is happening here. These new toll roads are a multi-billion dollar failure and are killing local suburbs for one simple reason. Sydney tolls are just too expensive. And to make matters worse, the toll roads are subject, as I mentioned, to an annual 4% increase, more than double the rate of inflation, making a bad situation even worse. Tell you what, they're taking the piss. They really are. They really are taking the piss. And do they care? No, Gladys is swanning high in opinion polls. The government in New South Wales can do no wrong. Tell you what, it'll be a major, major issue in the upcoming state election. Well, I'll be certainly screaming about it. And I believe I'll have the majority of people on my side in Sydney, particularly in the West and the Southwest. Those hard-working younger Australians who are already facing challenges of paying a hefty mortgage, increasing costs in living, that is your childcare costs are going up,
your petrol prices are forever fluctuating. I mean, for God's sake, we can't rely on the government or anybody, really, to keep an eye on petrol prices. They seem to go up willy-nilly. No one cares. No one does anything about it. We've got a, a petrol ombudsman or a commissioner that sits on a, you know, $300,000 a year salary doing sweet FA about it. It's just more and more evidence that Sydney is becoming far too elitist. Far, far too elitist. And it's all happening under Berejiklian's watch. And she could not give a damn. No matter what she says, no matter how many nice little stories she gets in the newspaper or about, you know, how tough it's been in the last year for me personally. What about how tough it is for people out in the western suburbs, Gladys? Those people who are facing hefty increases simply because they want to get to work. These are the contributors to your state, to your city. These are the people you're relying on to rebuild the New South Wales economy. And how does this government repay them? Just lets a private company take over our roads and hold us to ransom with increases every year at twice the rate of inflation. Jesus, I wish I got a, a, a salary increase every year at twice the inflation. Anyway, if you want to have your say, I'm, I'm cranky about it. I really am. I'm really cranky about it because I get sick and tired. Front page, today's newspaper. What are we talking about? Albo Sachs, key ally. Who gives a shit? Telegraph? How about you start talking about the real issues that are affecting people in the area you're trying to gain a readership from? At least the Herald's got it. Vehicles flood cities south to avoid new toll. Ridiculous. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. I don't listen to this radio. There's another radio station in Sydney with a, a presenter by the name of Marcus Paul. Uh, apparently he's been taking pot shots at me to entertain his listeners. Uh, there's a people who say, Mark, uh, this Marcus bloke's um, mocking you uh, on the other radio station. It's hilarious. And there she goes. She's down the sideline. She puts the pass inside. Dominic Perrottet can do nothing wrong. He's wonderful the way he's looked after eye care. He's flicked the ball back on the inside. And to finish it off, Matt Keen under the posts. This is Mark Levy. Um, well, that might be hilarious, but I've got a job to do here. And I'd suggest to Marcus Paul that if he wants to use the fill-in for Ray Hadley to entertain his listeners, he can go for it. I'd thank him for the publicity, but instead this bloke's taking pot shots at me. That's a bit rich. Nothing wrong with a bit of friendly banter, I'd say. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, Mark, I do like you. I think you're a, a very hard worker. Um, and... Uh, you'll probably replace your mate there after nine o'clock when he throws in the towel. Because you're simply a clone of him. But that's okay. Nothing wrong with sports callers pretending to be journalists. Oh, I've got no issue with that at all. 13, 12, 69, Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, it's a strange old game. You're... Yep, sometimes you're the windshield. And if you're a Sydney driver paying exorbitant tolls, you're quite simply the bug getting squished for cash. Day in, day out. It's got to come to an end one day, surely. Marcus Paul in the morning, 13 12 69 is my telephone number. Look at that, right on 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock in Queensland.
Marcus Paul in the morning. Give Marcus a call. 13 12 69. Okay, welcome back to the program. It's uh, just gone eight minutes after seven. Hello, Peter. How are you, mate? Yeah, good morning, Marcus, and happy new year. Another great show. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Um, look, Marcus, <laughs> I, I'm sort of dumbfounded why people keep voting for the Liberal Party because they've never, they've never, as, a, well, as far as I'm concerned, the Jigglyan government, going back to Mike Baird, has never represented the working class. Now, here we are again. They're putting on more tolls on the roads. And um, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. This lady... I listen to the program every now and again, and you get uh, people ringing up and say, oh, she's doing just a wonderful job, you know. But the thing is, don't listen to what she says. Listen to what... Uh, have a look at what she does. Well, absolutely. And when it comes, sorry, mate. When it comes to certain uh, areas of policy, of course, I think the premier has done a great job uh, in dealing with COVID nineteen and the pandemic, and and you know fighting against border closures uh, in Victoria and Queensland. They're all to be that's all to be applauded. But at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to bread and butter issues of the vast majority of Sydney siders, uh, what we mainly care about, Peter, are our living costs costs of living, how much it costs to send our kids to school, how much it costs for us to get to work, public transport costs, whether the system is working, and ultimately, because we're a, you know, we're a nation that loves driving our cars, rightly or wrongly, we're just sick to death of being ripped off, whether it's high petrol prices and now certainly exorbitant tolls, and they're going to go up each and every year at twice the rate of inflation. It's bullshit, Peter. Yeah, well, Marcus, um, I live in the Cronulla electorate, and my—I mean, it's a, it's a liberal, it's a liberal seat. But every time they set up their stands there at uh, Cronulla Station, I corner them. And the last time I cornered them was about, you know, uh, he's handing out pamphlets. I vote for us, and I said, why should I vote for you, mate? Yeah, you said that you um, that the, the electricity was going to be cheaper when you sold off the grid, and it's never been cheaper. No. And I. I I, I, I say it really loudly, but the thing is, I'm in I'm in an industry where I actually train people in different courses and that. And I had a manual handling course the other day, and I told them, I told the participants, you only get one back if you into your back. Do you think uh, eye care is going to look after you? When I when I think about eye care, I, it, that is absolutely farcical what they're doing there. And um, and I knew that was going to happen when the jiggling government got bit of uh, work cover um, and it's just it's just I, I, I just shake my head well I, I, I mean not... eye care has basically looked after nobody except uh, the people who've run the joint and that's why some of them are gone and that's why uh, we've got uh, calls for more uh, of a look into what happened there in eye care from the independent commission against corruption and that of course was the treasurer's baby yeah, but Marcus, so, like, yeah, well, I agree with that. And the thing is that just think of one person that's at home that is injured their back at work and uh, they're at home in terrible pain. Oh, I think we lost it. Yep, yep. Yeah, paying doctors to get them off the books. I mean, it's just... I, 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 don't, I don't agree, Marcus. This yeah. jiggling government has not done a good job for the New South Wales.
All right, mate. Thank you. Appreciate your call. 13 12 69. If you agree or disagree with Peter, uh, that's what the open line is for. 13 12 69. Genuine talk on the radio. Marcus Paul in the morning. If it's costing $48 for a return trip from the MacArthur from Campbelltown, if it's costing that much for one return trip, even more, over $100 for a truckie, and that's in 2020. Could you imagine, bearing in mind that these tolls are in place for the next, I don't know, 30 odd years, even longer in some cases, could you imagine in a decade what the toll costs will be? I can't. It is the world's most expensive trip into work. And it's, well, it's toll mania. You know, this wonderful new tunnel the government's talking about to run from the northern beaches into the city. All it will be is more toll mania. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yep, that's what it is. So this is a, a great day for New South Wales. Uh, and I think as Minister Constance put it a few days ago, what did you call it? A toll mania, toll mania, toll mania, toll mania. <laughs> Well, what of the cost of living in Sydney? Sydney house prices have reached a record high and have outstripped pre-COVID-19 prices by nearly $50,000, according to new data. The average house price is now $1,211,000, after surging 4.8% in the December quarter. That's according to the latest domain house price report released today. This surpasses surpasses Sydney's pre-pandemic Average of $1.161 million and tops the market's mid-2017 price peak by 13 grand. So, the average price in Sydney, $1.2 million for a house. What about apartment prices? Well, they're nudging higher too, with the average price rising 0.2% to $729,000. That's still 20 grand short of the average recorded in the March quarter. Now, the strongest quarterly growth came on the northern beaches, with the average price jumping 165 grand to a record $2.05 million. The surge in prices is likely to bring the housing affordability debate back to the fore. Well, look, that's the free market. That's how it works. I get all of that. But, I mean, again, with house prices now hitting record highs and tolls, how do you afford it? How on earth do young people, young couples in Sydney afford the cost of living expenses? Extremely difficult. Mark, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Marcus. How are you this morning? Well, thanks, buddy. Good. Um, just with the, the tolls, uh, probably a couple of things. Um, firstly, I, I, I don't know that playing politics of one side or the other is going to you know, achieve anything, but if to, to, to improve the situation for all of us, road users, um, would it be possible to get commitment from someone in the Labor Party uh, you know, state Labor Party to say, well, okay, elect us into government and we will do something about it, like either reducing or take get rid of the the transurban uh, monopoly 
situation on there and, you know, maybe get it all back to government. So Yeah, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. And these are issues that we will canvas uh, ahead of a state election. Just trust me, uh, Mark, when we get closer to a New South Wales election, these are questions I will be, uh, in fact, demanding of Jodie McKay and her team. Well, what commitments? I mean, we've been, you know, by that time, I'll have, you know, I've been banging on about... Uh, Gladys and, and her mob for a couple of years. By the time we get to the next state election, uh, you can rest assured that I'll be saying to, to Jody and to Chris Minns and to you know Walt Secord and everybody else that we speak to uh, from the opposition on this program. I mean, this program, as you know, uh, we, we cover the other side of politics because we're, we're not here to promote the government. We're here to hold them account. That's what this show is all about. But you can damn yep. well be sure, absolutely, Mark, that when the time comes... I will be asking the right questions, the appropriate questions of the opposition. I mean, it is easy for an opposition. It's easy for me to sit here and, you know, take pot shots at the government. I mean, I do it in the interests of my listeners and the interests of, you know, growing a younger audience from Sydney's working class. And that's what this program is all about. But at the same time, uh, we need viable and realistic alternatives. All very well to be critical, I get that. And, you know, when we're trying to be realistic about it, absolutely. We do need to know what the opposition planned. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to be political about these things. I don't care who fixes it. Somebody needs to ensure that Sydney siders, those that live in the West, the Southwest, the MacArthur, the Nepean, and elsewhere around the city aren't priced out of travelling to work. As I said in that little piece before that we replayed from last year, could you imagine just for a moment if, you know, this toll that people seem to be rat-running against, the new toll out there on the M5 East or the M8 or whatever the hell they call it these days, I can't keep up, if they're already avoiding that toll, which sits at $7.25 now, could you imagine what the toll will cost, I don't know, in a decade? (laughs) These are things we need to think about. And certainly, it is things that the state government needs to consider. And absolutely, the opposition, if they want to get into power, need to come up with credible, realistic alternatives. Uh, The time for talk will finish and absolutely will be demanding some accountability from the opposition on what they plan to do differently, if at all they can. I mean, ultimately, I don't really care who's in power. I just want to ensure that Sydney signers are getting a fair deal. Right now, with the monopoly of the toll roads and the way the system's set up and the fact that we're tied into these contracts seemingly forever and a day, I have concerns, real concerns, that... You know, people that I know, young folks trying to get by in Sydney, won't be able to afford to travel to work. That's not, that's un-Australian. And we've got a Prime Minister and we've got other leaders around our nation who are saying, yep, let's get back to business, let's get back to work. And, you know, we've all got to pull our weight and let's work our way and build our way out of this COVID-induced recession. The numbers are looking a little better in some areas, which is fantastic, fantastic. But if you're putting up all of these, for want of a better word, roadblocks, which are tolls with exorbitant prices, where's the incentive? Honestly, where's the incentive? If you're a tradie and you're living out in the west or the southwest, you cannot get the train to work. You simply can't. 
because of the way the system works and quite often you're going from one job to another so you, you need and, and you've got to take your tools you've got to you know, you've got to transport mixers and you've got to transport uh, cutting machines and, you know, all the rest of all the tools of the trade. So people need to drive their utes, their vans or whatever it is, to a job site. And if you're travelling from the west or the southwest of Sydney, it's getting more and more expensive each and every year simply to get to your job site and to do your job. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think these traders are going to wear the costs forever and a day? Of course not. They'll try and up their rates, which means ultimately the builders, volume builders and others, even though they'll fight against it, they, they'll lose because we need the tradesmen. What'll happen? Again, it'll push the price of a new home up because the cost of living will increase, but it won't, unfortunately, match the, the average wage. I mean, that's what we seem to be losing I mean, when was the last time you received a CPI increase in your pay? But yet we've got government signing deals with big business that want to charge us at twice the rate of inflation annually? Come on. Come on. Something's not right here. Something is not right. Like I said before, we're all being taken for mugs. It's a brand new day. Breakfast with Marcus Paul. Yeah, there's a note here that uh, Transport Minister Andrew Constance has told the Sydney Morning Herald that the M8 motorway improved travel times. Well, whoop de do. It's apparently also decreased crashes by more than a third on the M5 East. OK, well, that's at least one good thing, which have been one of the country's most congested motorways. Well, we all know the stories about the M5 it is one of the most expensive car parks in the country. Traffic volumes are increasing across all areas of Sydney as our population booms, says Andrew Constance. No shit. Our new motorways are part of a broader $107 billion infrastructure spend to ensure our roads and public transport are world class. Well, they might be world-class, Andrew, but there's no point in having world-class anything in Sydney if no-one can bloody afford to use them. Save maybe you and your rich mates. I don't know. You're on the wrong path here, Andrew. It's 26 after 7. Marcus Paul in the morning. Australia's king of talkback radio, John Laws, returns Monday, 9am. Scott Morrison, Prime Minister, good morning. G'day, John. I'm calling you. I'm speaking to you from Lismore this morning. <laughs> God, you get around, don't you? Yeah, well, we've been up here um, uh, opening the last section of the Pacific Highway. The John Laws Morning Show returns February 1st. But I do like you. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like you too, John. But you always have, poor devil. You're only human. Yeah. Well, actually, I used to listen to you. When I was growing up, I'd listen to you all the time. Any opportunity. I used to skip class to listen to radio. I assume you failed research, did you? You didn't do any schoolwork yeah. by the sound of it, listen to the radio. I shouldn't be telling you this. Look at your ego. Yes, you've always been so modest. Oh, yes, I have. Australia's king of talkback radio, John Laws, returns Monday, 9am. Yes, looking forward to the return of the king. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, all right, Malcolm Roberts, 
not too far away. We'll have a chat with Malcolm very soon. And also Catherine O'Regan on restrictions easing in New South Wales. Catherine is from the Sydney Business Chamber, um, not too far away. Uh, we've got some breaking news here. Queensland will now reopen its borders to all of New South Wales on the 1st of February. Anastasia Palaszczuk has made the announcement this morning, so that's good news. Might finally be able to get up there and see my, my old man. <laughs> Don't close him again on me, Anastasia. Or as Lawsy says, Anastasia. So Queensland will now open its borders to everyone, that's all of New South Wales, from next Monday, the 1st of February. That announcement coming this morning. Speaking of Queensland, there are calls for youth justice laws to be strengthened in the state after a couple was hit and killed by a stolen car. We know this story. Awful, awful story. The 31-year-old pregnant woman and her 37-year-old partner were killed when the four-wheel drive, a stolen four-wheel drive, rolled after running a red light and earlier being allegedly involved in a, well, uh, road rage incident. Uh, now, this accident happened in Alexandra Hills on Brisbane's Bayside late on Australia Day afternoon. Uh, the two, the couple, were walk, walking their dog Frankie when they were struck. Frankie, thank God, was found safe and well yesterday by locals. But the 17-year-old driver, who can't be named obviously because he's before a children's court. I hope his trial, though, was an adult. He's been charged with two counts of murder and multiple driving offences. And the story just gets worse. This person, this 17-year-old, was out on bail. What for? Previous driving infringements. This goose should never have been on the road. A 31-year-old woman, six months pregnant, dead. Her 37-year-old partner also killed. In my opinion, this person should be up for three counts of murder, not two. A six-month-old baby, I'm sorry, is a human. Kevin's been in touch. Marcus, I can't say much because of the laws of subjudice, but I must say this. The tragedy of the deaths of two innocent pedestrians in Brisbane has saddened, horrified and angered the whole country. The bail laws are a joke in every single jurisdiction. How can a person, <clears throat> excuse me, how can a person with 50 pending charges and a known contempt of the rule of law be allowed out on bail? Secondly, if a person is only 17 but has regularly committed serious adult crimes, be tried as a child. This requires us as a society to look at how we define childhood. The murder of a toddler in Britain caused the United Kingdom to change its laws, allowing the full weight of law to be available to prosecute persons under the legal age. We ignored this to our shame. So now we have the vehicular murder of this couple in Brisbane. The alleged murderer will be tried in the children's court where the penalties are so light as to be irrelevant. If a child commits a very adult crime, that child must be tried as an adult. I don't care if the child is 17 or 10. I urge everyone to write to their local members, state and federal, and demand these laws be changed right now. Thank you, Kevin. That's a, a wonderful email. All right, welcome back. Uh, I've just got something urgent that I need to broadcast before we go to Malcolm Roberts. Uh, we've got a, uh, a note here from police. 
and they'll be speaking to the media a little later this morning and we're about to put a post up of a missing teenager from Mooney Mooney. He's age 13. His name is Leif Courtney. I've got a photograph uh, going up on our Facebook page of this young fellow in just a moment. He was last seen at his home on the Pacific Highway at around 7.30 last night. His parents alerted police a short time later when he couldn't be located. Of course, they, they have serious concern for Leif's welfare as he has autism and is non-verbal. So a large search of surrounding bushland has started this morning. He's being he's described as being of Caucasian appearance, around 160 centimetres tall, with slim build and blonde hair. He was wearing a grey singlet and shorts, along with sneakers with green laces. So, if you can assist, please. And certainly, I would imagine this young man's family are desperately, desperately uh, trying to find him. Uh, you can call Crime Stoppers 1-800-333-000, but there is a, a missing teenager who is autistic and non-verbal from the Central Coast. Details are on our Facebook page. And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, Senator Malcolm Roberts. Good morning, uh, Malcolm. How are you today, mate? Malcolm. Hello. Hello, G'day, mate. Marcus. How are you, boss? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, busy as, which is good news. Hey, you guys must be scaring the the pants off Labor. Albo's about to shuffle the front bench, and apparently the story is this morning we put a call into his office. They're not answering, so things are pretty bad. Yeah, uh, it's actually not us scaring the pants off Labor. It's Labor's policy scaring the pants off Labor. (laughs) Look at poor old Joel Fitzgibbon, you know, he's, he's... He's fighting with his hands tied behind his back because imagine imagine having to sell those policies in the Hunter Valley. There's no way it can happen. Stuart Bonds has just done an amazing job in communicating, but Labor's policies, they've abandoned the workers, mate. That's, that's the end of them. All right. Well, that's a big statement. I don't know if it's the end of them, but... Uh, so far as workers are concerned, so far as farmers are concerned, so far as everyday Australians are concerned, it's the end. All right. They'll, they'll, they'll win their votes in inner-city Greens electorates. And, yes. But, mate... Can I compliment you for something you just said, by the way? What did I that, say? In, in, that, in, in response to that tragedy up in Brisbane where that uh, 17-year-old killed three people, you were very correct. A six-month baby in the womb is a human. Good on you, mate. Well, I think so. Absolutely. I'm sure so. Anyway, the 99-year lease on a tropical Queensland island known as Keswick Islands, uh, the story has made its way overseas. Now, even in New York, it's where the government's <laughs> given China Bloom a 99-year lease and the local residents, well, they've been effectively locked out. They've lost, uh, what, their local jetties? They're not allowed to move freely around the island anymore. I mean, where is it, Beijing? Yeah, exactly, Marcus. And, and by the way, what a stunning spot. It's absolutely beautiful. And uh, running around on the beach with uh, the locals and a lot of people from the mainland came over to, uh, to show, show what they think of these Chinese uh, occupants. Um, and and uh, we had, you know, snags on the beach. We had uh, beef rissoles. We had lamb steaks. And just people from just spontaneously did it. It wasn't organised. And lots of Aussie flags, beach cricket, tug-of-war, but it was a fantastic uh, mood. But they were there because they want to protect. We all want to protect what our country stands for. Yeah. And these people, these Chinese, China Bloom, have been given a lease by the Queensland government. The Queensland government has had many, many breaches of the lease conditions, including the two primary uh, lease conditions and also breaches of environmental laws that, uh, that 
the Queensland government just won't do anything about. The locals are, are absolutely convinced there's something else going on between the Queensland government and China Bloom, and they're trying to find out. But the Queensland government will not do a damn thing. All right. Uh, well, let's keep the pressure on. I don't uh, believe that we should be locking people out of places uh, on, you know, like Keswick Island and others, simply because the government's... I mean, what do they want to do there? They don't... Don't they want to make it an exclusive Chinese-only resort or something up there on Keswick? Well, Marcus, it's a, it's actually a beautiful island um, in the southern part of the Whitsundays. Yeah. And and it's got a national park as part of the island. It's got uh, subleased areas to individual residents, some of whom have put their super in it. That's where they're going to retire, and that's yeah. where they are retired. Yeah. Um, and others who, are, who are occasionally come there for weekends and, and a few weeks at a time. But the head lessee, listen to this. The head lessee, which is China Bloom, must use the leased land for commercial or business purposes, specifically being tourism, residential, marine yeah. facility, marine works and aerodrome purposes. That's the main condition. If they don't abide by that, they should be tossed off. They're not abiding by any part of it. And so this lease can be forfeited if not used for the stated purposes above. And, and that's what's happening. And not only that, they're destroying the environment, they're destroying turtle habitat, and uh, they're, dist- they're causing coral to, to die because of silting of, uh, yeah. as a result of uh, washout wash from rain, as a result of unapproved works. They've built uh, a dwelling there for the manager, apparently. Yeah. Unapproved. They built a boat ramp, a shoddy <laughs> boat ramp, unapproved. They're just causing all kinds of havoc. And didn't they close down the local runway? So that means that local real estate agents can't get into... Uh, can't get rather to the mainland to do business. Local Airbnb businesses have closed down overnight and had to cancel all future bookings. And local house values have plummeted up to seventy-five percent. Yes, you're on the ball, mate. You've done your research as usual, and uh, you know they, they uh, shut down the island, claiming safety incidents. There's been one incident. No one hurt. No one injured. Uh, and that was many years ago with a commercial pilot. But they've got a pilot there who's landed on that island thousands of times and and they never had an incident and uh he parked his he parked his um airplane up next to this china bloom manager's residence yeah. on the airstrip <laughs> and the next day there was no fuel and oh, so right. he went into town by boat came back with jerry cans put fuel in the in the plane flew straight to his maintenance uh, place in uh in on the mainland at Mackay airport yeah. and said please check the two uh drainage drainage valves and they were they were replaced. They were checked. They operated perfectly. Someone drained that, and it was sitting right next to the manager's house. But they've whacked a damn excavator, a huge excavator, <laughs> in the middle of the airport, and that's <laughs> essentially they, you can't use the damn thing. Oh Jesus! Ah, uh, Cheswick but Island Day. Yeah, well. I don't know. Speaking of Australia, Australia Day, a time to celebrate and take stock for building the future. Uh, You say that virtue signalling will not fix the issues of our Indigenous communities. And uh, you have a crack at the ABC. All right, wind her up. Go for it. (laughs) Well, the ABC, apart from its rural network, rural radio network, where it does a damn good job. Not as good as our network. Not as good as our our network, but they do an... I wasn't comparing it with yours, Marcus. I wouldn't dare do that. They do an okay uh... job, yes. (laughs) But but it, 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 it does cover a lot of Australia. But um, uh, and it does good good job in emergency situations and course, some rural crises that kind of thing. But yes. the rest of it should be sold. It, it's just <laughs> a left wing virtue signalling <laughs> control outfit, and the rest of it should be sold. <laughs> All right.
<laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Uh, let's have a look here. Um, Stuart Bonds. Look, well done to Stuart. I, I put him up against seasoned campaigner Joel Fitzgibbon on the program. I don't know whether you heard it. They went head-to-head the, uh, last week, I think it was, and I thought he, uh, he's, he handled himself very well. I think you might have been uh, uh, tutoring him, though, and mentoring him. No, no, I heard about it later. You, you <laughs> caught him by surprise, but he still had the courage to, to stand up and, and take your invitation, which is wonderful. Look, the, the um, event he organised last Thursday in uh, Belbert Hotel was amazing. We yeah. had a great turnout at the historical Bel- Belbert Hotel. People came from as far as Wollongong and Campbelltown, and it was amazing support for Stuart. But what really got me was just the questions around the climate change nonsense. These people are well-informed, very well-informed. And that, that capped off a, a wonderful day because we went to Volga Mine in the afternoon. Um, they're amazing neighbours. You know, when, they, uh, when the Greens tried to organise, organise a protest against Volga, all they got was two, were two local submissions opposing uh, the, the extension. And now Volga is showing itself to be fantastic neighbours. Glencourt's doing an amazing job yeah. with their people and with their environment, their reclamation. But you know what was the perler for me? Apart from the, the, the attitude uh, and the response of the people at Belbert Hotel hmm. uh, talking about climate and politics and our country needing to be restored, the perla for that day was in the morning we went to Blackrock Industries in, in Musselbrook. What an impressive pair, mate. I, I reckon you should right. get behind them. Just interview them. I can pass on the contact details if you like. But right. Steve and Glenn are doing an amazing uh, job. They've, they're basically giving people a purpose and a sense of worth uh, prisoners, that is, and and when they come out, they're, they're given introduction to working at yeah. a mine site as right contractors story. while they're in prison, and then when they come out, they're staying off off. Uh, it's, they're staying out of prison, and Good. and they've had one person go back out of eighty, I think. Phenomenal, and it's just basic stuff. This Great. this guy Steve and his and his. Uh, Business partner, Glenn, yep. they're, they're good people, All really right. good people. We'll get the details and we might speak to them. Thank you, mate. Uh, by the way, before we go, Gundawindi could be on the brink of its first locust plague for 15 years. Baby locusts are currently blanketing the ground of the Queensland border town, which hasn't seen a plague since the, well, 2004 summer. It's believed the insects came from the New South Wales town of Moree and they could prove detrimental to pastures and crops. Let's hope not, Malcolm. Well, I can see what's going to happen here, mate. You're not going to be able to visit your dad. They're going to lock the borders to no, these locusts. No, no, she's just <laughs> opened them this morning. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do it. All right, mate, good to chat. All right, same here. Malcolm see- Roberts from One Nation. And by the way, just on that breaking news, yes, Queensland, uh, the Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk has reopened the border to all of New South Wales from next Monday. Great news. All right, we're off to the news very soon, and uh, we're also uh, going to continue our conversation this morning on the New South Wales restrictions being eased. Adam's on the uh, open line. Hello, Adam. Hey, how are you, Marcus? Good? All right, thank you, Adam. What's on your mind? Well, I've been hearing some things about how the state government is going, and I just want to say that apart from some issues that you've been raising, like the tolls that they might need to cap them or in some cases, give more relief, the powerhouse museum and that. I think overall, the state government has done a pretty good job. Overall. But... All right. And the eye care thing as well, that needs to be sorted out immediately. But overall, mm. I'm, I'm quite happy. 
at the moment. All right, Adam. Well, that's good. Uh, apparently, a lot of people are blind like you, but that's fine. I'm just kidding. Or am I? A man has been charged and police are searching for another man after a woman was allegedly detained and her home ransacked in Walleye Creek. This happened yesterday at around 5.30. A 22-year-old woman was approached by two men as she left a Walleye Creek supermarket. The men allegedly threatened her before forcing her to take them to her Levy Street unit. Jesus, poor thing must have been horrified. They then ransacked the home and stole a number of items. Now, the woman was able to contact a friend and police were informed and attended the unit block. Uh, police then located the men and women in the foyer where they arrested a 37-year-old bloke. The other man involved allegedly fled like the coward he is. And a police operation started to search for him, but he's not been located Look, this 37-year-old bloke was taken to Cogra Police Station, charged with detaining for advantage and robbery whilst armed. He was refused bail and will appear in Sutherland local court today, and police are searching for this bloke's accomplice. I'd suggest he hand himself in as soon as possible. Crime Stoppers, the number 1-800-333-000. What an awful story. Australia's king of talkback radio, John Laws, returns Monday, 9am. Scott Morrison, Prime Minister, good morning. G'day, John. I'm calling you. I'm speaking to you from Lismore this morning. <laughs> God, you get around, don't you? Yeah, well, we've been up here um, uh, opening the last section of the Pacific Highway. The John Laws Morning Show returns February 1st. But I do like you. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I like you too, John. But you always have, poor devil, you're only human. Yeah, I know. well actually, I used to listen to you, when I was growing up, I'd listen to you all the time. Any opportunity. I used to skip class to listen to radio. I assume you failed recess, did you? You didn't do any schoolwork yeah. by the sound of it, listen to the radio. I shouldn't be telling you this, look at your ego. Yes, you've always been so modest. Oh, yes I have. Australia's king of talkback radio, John Laws, returns Monday, 9am. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give Marcus a call. 13 12 69. Okay, welcome back to the program. 13 12 69. Yes, and emails. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com if you would like to have you say that way. And the Fortress text line is open 0458 Just repeating that breaking news from this morning, Queensland Premier. Uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk has announced the New South Wales state border will reopen on the 1st of February. So basically, if you're from New South Wales, from Sydney, etc., from Monday, you can go to Queensland, no matter where you're from in the state. The Premier confirmed the hard border lockout would end on Monday after the uh, December 21 closure, which saw numerous suburbs in Greater Sydney banned. What do you make of that, Gladys? I don't need to know about that bit. Well, who are you going to fight with then? From the I Can't Believe I'm Reading This File, the New South Wales Education Department's forked out. You ready for it? $35,000 
for a culturally safe yarning circle. A culturally safe yarning circle. News Corp reports the meeting room features round tables and stools covered in Indigenous designs. Well, that's lovely. It'll be used as a conference room in Parramatta. $35,000 for a culturally safe yarning circle. Who comes up with these things? Do I need to ask Gladys again? No, I won't do that to her. 131269, the telephone number. The Olympic Committee is committed to the Tokyo Summer Olympic Games. The IOC President Thomas Bach says much of Japan is under a state of emergency because of the pandemic, but he says work is continuing day and night to ensure the Games are safe when they will go ahead in July. He says that it's not a case of the Olympics not going ahead, it's more a case of how they will go ahead in a COVID-safe manner. Should they go ahead? That's probably the question. 131269, if you'd like to have your say on that. Alrighty, uh, we mentioned the New South Wales government's announced ease restrictions, which is great news. Um, look, there'll be an increase in the number of people who can attend weddings, who can attend a whole range of activities. We've been through the list this morning and all of the details are on our social media page, hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning. Look, it's hoped that this will help boost the economy in Sydney. The CBD of Sydney contributes $104 billion to our state's economy and around 7% of the national figure. Sydney Business Chamber Executive Director Catherine O'Regan says keeping the mask mandate is the right step. And she joins us on the program. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning. So the easing of restrictions, good news for businesses in Sydney. Definitely good news, particularly for those retail and the hospitality sector, which has been hit pretty hard over these months. So bringing some confidence back, brings foot traffic back, which is good news all around. I noticed yesterday I was in town. I mean, look, I know most people now are getting back to work and, and schools returning. I noticed it was a, a little busier in Sydney, uh, in the city itself, in the centre, around Pitt, George and Market Streets yesterday when I was there. That's good. It is good, and as you said earlier, the CBD is such an important part for our city and our overall economy. And we've been sort of having foot traffic come back and people return to the offices in a trickle, but hoping with the easing of the restrictions, it starts to return almost back to our pre-COVID levels as we get yeah. back into the office and back into the swing of things. And you'll hopefully see more, more of those people in those streets and places. See, this is the thing from uh, 12.01 a.m. Friday. You can have 50 people at outdoor gatherings, 30 in your household, 300 people at weddings and funerals with four square metre rule in place. There are no caps, though, importantly, on the number of people allowed in hospitality venues and places of worship as long as people comply with the four square metre rule. Now, masks will no longer be mandatory in retail businesses, but look, I'd suggest um, we still mask up. What do you say to that? I think it's always good to take those precautions and if we keep taking those precautions, we don't have to shut down the economy again. All those businesses and I think even the individuals and the workers don't want that to happen. So put on your mask if you're in those public places on the public transport system and then we can just get on with business and doing what we do in this city.
Yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's important, as we mentioned before. I mean, the CBD of Sydney contributes, you know, a fair whack if you, when you take it all into consideration. You know, it's one of the big engine rooms of our economy, not only uh, for the state of New South Wales, but nationally. And it's one of those things that maybe we don't often appreciate, that, that so many people travel in and out of that place, whether it's to come to work, to go to a show, mm. to actually do a bit of shopping. So when you take that away, it's devastating for, for everybody, really. Yep. It's great to talk to you, Catherine. Thank you very much for your time. No worries. You take care. All right. You too, Catherine O'Regan uh, from the Sydney Business Chamber, the Executive Director. And yes, it's good news. No caps on the number of people allowed in hospitality venues and places of worship, as long as you comply with the four square metre rule. Yep, socially distance yourself, wear a mask where you can, and importantly, try and support local businesses as everybody gets back to work. That's the way to do it. Uh, By the way, masks, as I mentioned, are no longer mandatory in retail businesses, but suggested, but they will still be mandatory on public transport, also for hospitality workers, people in places of worship, people in gaming rooms, and people in beauty salons. So there are some slight changes, but apart from that, the easing of restrictions begins on 12.01am Friday morning. Unscripted, genuine, sometimes silly. I don't listen to this radio. There's another radio station in Sydney with a, a presenter by the name of Marcus Paul. Uh, apparently he's been taking pot shots at me to entertain his listeners. No. Uh, there's a people who say, Mark, uh, this Marcus bloke's um, mocking you Never. Uh, on the other radio station. It's hilarious. And there she goes. She's down the sideline. She puts the pass inside. Dominic Perrottet can do nothing wrong. He's wonderful the way he's looked after I care. He's flicked the ball back on the inside and to finish it off, Matt Keener under the posts. This is Mark leaving. Um, well, that might be hilarious, but I've got a job to do here. And I'd suggest to Marcus Paul that if he wants to use the fill-in for Ray Hadley to entertain his listeners, he can go for it. I'd thank him for the publicity, but instead this bloke's taking pot shots at me. That's a bit rich. Nothing wrong with a bit of friendly banter, I'd say. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Twelve sixty nine. the telephone number. We're off to Canberra really soon, so we'll catch up with Christina in the capital. Diane Coveney-Garland will join us in just a moment as well. Uh, Dizzy from the newsroom, uh, well rested after, a, I don't know, a seven-day weekend or something she recently had at 17 minutes after eight. Uh, can we get uh, Dizzy's intro there, my friend, when we're ready? Look, after uh, nine o'clock this morning on the John Law's Morning Show in in light of what's happened in Queensland, the Queensland fatality highlights the need to adopt Zoe's law in New South Wales. This horrible, horrible, well, they're calling it a triple fatality. I agree. It should be called a triple fatality uh, with a six-month uh, pregnant woman losing her baby and her own life. Anyway, the horrible triple fatality in Brisbane, allegedly by a 17-year-old teen, highlights the urgent need for New South Wales to adopt Zoe's law currently before Parliament. The Brisbane couple, as we know, were hit and killed by an allegedly stolen car driven by an individual who was reportedly out on bail for driving offences, including evading police. Family Voice urge the New South Wales Parliament to adopt fetal laws that protect the unborn. That's according to Greg Bondar, the New South Wales State Director. Now, I will speak to Greg on uh, the uh, 
uh, law segment of the program this morning, just after nine o'clock. Greg Bondar from Family Voice, do you agree or disagree with that? I think that a six-month-old baby should be counted as a living human. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. The Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Diane Coveney-Garland. Look, I know it's often contentious and it's sad that we have to talk about it given this fatality in Queensland, Dizzy, but, I mean, what's your point of view on this? A six-month-year-old? It's a a six-month fetus. fetus. Yeah, look, I I absolutely agree. I think that, um, you know, it's a a living, breathing entity. Yep. Hasn't been born yet, but you think about it, if if a baby is born at six months gestation, Hmm. um, you know, it can survive. You know, yes. so if you if you look at it from that perspective, and look, it is a controversial issue and just a shocking, shocking state of affairs mm. with what happened in. And I think that the the lady, uh, the reason that they have Zoe's Law in New South Wales, um, was a very similar story. Yes, it, was it was a woman who was pregnant. Yep. She survived. The baby didn't survive. That's it. And um, you know, it's been a long, hard slog for them. So I, I really do think that. Um, something should be done. And look, this couple in Brisbane, there are no words. It's just absolutely mm. horrific. They'd been together for four years. They had start well, obviously were starting a family. And they were out walking uh, their dog on Sunday. I beg your pardon, on Australia Day on Tuesday afternoon yeah. when this bloke who, who had allegedly knocked off a, a white four-wheel drive, been involved in other acts of alleged road rage. I mean, we've seen the videos. Mm. And then we learned later that this bloke was out on bail for driving offences. And 17, Uh, you know, just shocking, absolutely shocking. And the problem is, of course, being that age of 17, um, people are writing into the program this morning suggesting he should be trialled as an adult because the problem is uh, he may well get let out again because mm. the the laws inside the children's court are far more lenient than if this 17-year-old was to be tried as an adult. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, the difference there is, is from, you know, at the present time, mm. we don't know his name. Uh, we don't no, know anything about that. We can't name no. him because he's considered a child in the eyes of the law, which I understand that on one level, but on another level, look, if you're old enough to allegedly steal a car and, and yep. crash it and be involved in that other incident, then you should be old enough to face the full force of the law in an adult court. Yes, and considering the fact that, uh, you know, uh, the story goes that he racked up some 50 similar uh, offences. But anyway, that's all before the court, so we need to be a little careful Mm. with this. But uh, I just wanted to talk to you before you go about this story. New figures reveal the total cost of sending a, a child to school continues to play significant strain on a family budget. The estimated cost of sending a child to a government school across Sydney over 13 years is projected to be around 90,000 bucks. Mm-hmm. What? $90,000? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. <laughs> sending a child to an independent school will cost almost, are you ready? Mm-hmm. $450,000 over 13 years. Yeah. No, it's a lot of money. And, and I mean, obviously, education is so important, yeah. but yeah, it's a lot of money. Uh, they say that if you want to send a child to a Catholic school over the course of its school career, 
more than $128,000 over mm. 13 years. But who said education was free in the public system? <laughs> well, hey? that's the whole thing. You know, you they, they have fees. You're encouraged to pay the fees, but yes. then they don't necessarily have to make you pay the fees. It's no, a little bit of a grey area there, isn't it? Well, that's it. Uh, and I often wondered um, whether or not... Uh, Look, there are some people who obviously can't, and I understand mm. that. And uh, single parents and and families that have been through situations where they mainly uh, maybe just have a, one caregiver, etc. Mm. There are a whole range of reasons. Yep. But have you ever felt pressured? I wonder. Give us a call, thirteen twelve sixty nine. Have you ever felt pressured by the school? Don't they send notes? They upon do, notes and I and I notes, think the right? way it the way it works is that if you don't pay the fees. Uh, regarding, say, for example, your student is your child is at high school and they do home ec or home science, whatever it's called these days, and they don't pay the fees to do the cooking classes. Well, then they will actually have to sit out those classes or not take part in the hands-on part. But that's a different set of fees to yeah. the actual school fees, which are True. in New South Wales considered voluntary. Mm. All right, Di, good to chat. You we'll too. catch up with you tomorrow and we'll hear you on the Law Show just after 9 o'clock this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Diane Garland from our newsroom. Uh, Rod, are you there, mate? Yeah, mate. How are you, Rod? Oh, can I, can I thank you so much yeah. for, your, what for? Your, your attitude and your radio announcements <laughs> and the way you, way, way you act on on radio it's beautiful to see a, a breath of fresh air coming oh. through your your <laughs> commentation right. okay oh thank you um no i really i i've never had laughed so much in my life <laughs> oh my, hopefully uh i've made you think as well but it's not yeah. all uh, oh, you know. oh yeah you did that i don't agree with uh um some of the things you say of course but um, of but gee, you're good. You're bloody good. <laughs> Thanks, and Dad. And you keep it up. Thanks, Dad. Okay? <laughs> All right. And, and I, I, I'm going to miss you because we're back to uh, Johnny. Uh, well, John's back uh, from 9 o'clock next Monday, but of yeah, course you can right. always still catch the breakfast show. Where are you no, from, I, Rod? We can't up here in... Um, I'm in Melanda in North Queensland. Oh, wow. You're up... Uh, are we going to North Queensland at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Gosh, but I, I, I tried to get you on the computer, but my computer's all flooded. Oh, dear. The, the lines are all flooded and everything. Do you have a smartphone? Do you have one of those phones you can perhaps tune into? No, it doesn't work like that. I got I got NBN and all that sort okay. of stuff. And See if you can get somebody to help you out. I uh, just uh, because I couldn't get through you on the internet. Yeah, I decided to ring you. Well, I thank you very much thanks, for all Rod. the last three weeks have been oh, nearly three weeks <laughs> have been absolutely stunning, and I've laughed my tits off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Thank you. <laughs> oh, she's sweet but a psycho, a little bit psycho. Look out, she's a fugazi. Oh, she's sweet but she's psycho. It's Australia's only independent contemporary talk radio show. That's why sometimes I'll play a new song like that because I just like them. And then I'll follow it up with a bit of Tony Abbott with a bit of attitude from Old Tone. I mean, boy, oh, boy. Has he what? Uh, he's come out last night and really let rip on uh, coronavirus restrictions. It was almost the mark of an Australian to sit beside the driver in the front seat of a taxi. Because here, in this country, no one's better than anyone else. But like so much, that's currently 
against the rules, along with singing, dancing, and having too many friends and family around for a barbecue. Thanks to the pandemic, we're now told to form orderly and socially distanced queues, as if we were English. For the past year, we've been coping with a potentially deadly disease, but it takes a fair dose of virus hysteria and health despotism for Australians to be barred from Victoria without first getting a visa. Yeah. Well, what do you make of it? 13, 12, 69. He uh, doesn't miss, does he? Uh, Tony's described coronavirus restrictions as hysteria in that video statement. I mean, we've only had 28,000 COVID-19 cases compared to the 100 million worldwide. I think it's fair to say that uh, we've done a very, very good job on, uh, you know, restricting the number of deaths and cases here in Australia. Uh, but I don't know, does Tony go a little too far on that? The former Prime Minister of Australia, let me know. 13, 12, 69, the number. Okay, welcome back. Uh, the last 20 odd minutes of the breakfast portion of the program. And of course, we're through till midday today uh, for Lawsy. He's back on Monday. Uh, now, emails MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com at 22 to 9 to 8 in Queensland. This one from Matt regarding Tony Abbott. G'day, Marcus. Tony Abbott. I like what he had to say, read the virus restrictions. Think about it, you will catch and be killed by the virus if you cheer, sing, get married or die with too many people. And for goodness sake, whatever you do, don't stand up with a beer. Sit down by all means, but if you stand up, you will die. Certain death can only be avoided by standing on a magical green dot that's located on the floor, on public transport or in shopping centres. This is our health expert advice. Well, Matt, you're very cynical, um, and it's not as simple as what you're making it out to be. We do need to socially distance. I mean, for goodness sake, if somebody had COVID and they were at the same venue I was, I would hope that I'm at least 1.5 metres away from them, wouldn't you? I don't know if I'd like to dance with them. Anyway, Sue says, G'day, Marcus. Tolls, tolls and more tolls. Yes, it's toll mania, Sue. That's right. Taxes, taxes and more taxes. Bloody hell. <laughs> we are the most overcharged country in the world. The government double dipping again and again. God help us, Sue. Well, Sue, you've got to be a little careful with that language, OK? Because Ken Thomas. <laughs> G'day, Ken. Ken in Allwood's a, a regular listener to the program, isn't he, Scruffles? He is. He loves us. Uh, but he's upset with me, Marcus. Yes. I'm, a, I'm a loyal listener, but please cease the use of Jesus as a swear word and stop using the P and S words. You're better than that. Mm, do I? So what about? Okay, let's. You are at, in trouble this morning. Uh, I, I'm. I'm. I'm, get, I'm getting the whip or the cane. I'll get the cane out. You're going to get the cane out. Okay. Stop swearing. Cane by you. Gee, that's something to be fearful. <laughs> Won't hurt. <laughs> All right, so, um, yes, sometimes I do uh, kind of... You get frustrated. I, I run off a little bit, uh, but that's just me. I'm being natural and try and basically just to, uh, trying to communicate the best way I know how. And, yes, occasionally a, an S word will pop out and certainly... Uh, Can you use shite? 
Shite. Okay. Can we say shite instead of the other one? Okay, we'll so go shite. Irish there. Shite. Shite. <laughs> All right. What about? Can I say? Well, do I really say Jesus? Say jeez. Jeez. Ah, gee whiz. Gee whiz, yes. Gee whiz. So, okay, so instead of Jesus, gee, oh, gee whiz. Yes, that's good. When I'm exasperated by, you know, failed government policy or an increase in tolls, it'll be, gee, oh, gee whiz. Okay. Doesn't have the same. Gee whiz, does. that shite. <laughs> and the P word. You know, Lawsy uses that one occasionally, but he has a little thing on his console where I'll he has a I'll have to get you one of them uh, yeah, in the yeah, Greg Goldman yeah, studio. Yeah, I'll get a yeah. beep, beep. Because, yeah, sometimes, what about we get a beepy thing? I'll do that. I think okay. that's a great idea. All right, but instead, uh, in the meantime, I'll, I'll cease using the P word. You can say, fly away. Fly away. Yeah, but nah. it doesn't sound as good as piss nah. off. <laughs> off to Canberra in a moment with Christina right now on the open line at a quarter to nine, 13, 12, 69. It's James. Good morning, James. Marcus, how are you? All right, thank you, boss. What's on your mind? Mate, I just thought I'd bring up the saviour. Um, <laughs> since we lost old mate years ago, I don't hear much of crikey anymore. Crikey? You remember what that was meant for? the Aussie slang for what? Oh, gee, I don't know. Bloody hell. I, I don't know. What was Crikey's? I, I just remember the crocodile under Steve Irwin mentioning it all the time. Crikey! That's a yeah, big and one! <laughs> and apparently it was uh, the Aussie slang for Christ. Yeah, Crikey. That's what they used to say in the old days instead of Christ. They'd go, oh, Crikey. Oh, I see. All right. Yeah. Uh, look, there you go. I might use that in future, James. Thank you. Yeah, mate. Have a great day, 13, 12, 69. All the big issues here this morning on Marcus Paul in the morning. 13, 12, 69 is the number if you would like to have your side. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengren. All right, getting a lot of response to our uh, posts this morning. Hashtag Marcus Paul in the morning on socials and I've got a picture up there of Anthony Albanese saying, what's up, Albo? What's happening? <laughs> Are you panicking? Labor leader Anthony Albanese will look to claw back support among, among coal mining regions in a major front bench reshuffle to revitalise the party ahead of the next federal election. Albo and his team have gone to ground. Normally we just call them and he comes straight on. Not answering our calls this morning. Hello, Christina. Hello, Marcus. Labor are preparing to announce a shadow cabinet reshuffle this weekend and out the door, a senior figure in Labor's left faction, Mark Butler. Yes, that's correct. So it will be this weekend that uh, Labor, Labor leader Anthony Albanese will be unveiling this new shadow cabinet. And uh, he says these changes will better reflect the party's priorities. And of course, this comes after the government announced its own cabinet reshuffle at the end of last year. So, uh, as you mentioned, and what's being reported in Guardian Australia is uh, Mark Butler is expected to lose his climate change portfolio, and uh, he's expected to instead take on health and ageing, while Chris Bowen will then take over his role as shadow climate change minister. Uh, so that's what's speculated to be one of the main moves, and the idea behind that, allegedly, is to try to stamp out party infighting around emissions reduction, which, of course, was uh, what led to Joel Fitzgibbon resigning from the Labor front bench, front bench in November yeah, last year. And, uh, you know, Mr Fitzgibbon's uh, argument has been uh, that Labor shouldn't take that strong of an action on climate change uh, because he's concerned about losing voters amongst 
among blue-collar workers in the regions. Mm. And uh, so that put him at odds with Mr Butler. And, of course, uh, all of this sort of comes ahead of the next federal election, and that's, you know, there's some speculation that that could be in spring of this year. It'll go this year. I I have no doubt uh, that if this infighting continues with Labor and this unsettled manner in which the party's operating at the most senior levels, uh, Scott Morrison would be nuts if he didn't uh, pull an early election. Well, yes, Labor is certainly trying to uh, position itself now in preparation for for that election. All right, uh, we will announce whether Australia will extend a travel ban on New Zealand. Uh, I mean, they've got one case. What? Well, uh, so Australia announced this three-day pause and quarantine-free travel from New Zealand on Monday, and that was in response to that one case, as you mentioned. And that temporary ban is due to end at 2pm today. Uh, but there could be a last-minute decision to extend it, and that's because there's been two more new positive cases in New Zealand. Oh, I see, yep. and those, Yes, those two were quarantining in the same hotel as the first case, and that first case was, of course, the, uh, the highly infectious South African strain of the virus. So uh, New Zealand health authorities are trying to gather some more information about this, and uh, in response, the acting chief health medical officer, Michael Kidd, says, uh, Australia is seeking further information also, and that information is needed before a ban can be listed, lifted. And so it could possibly be extended depending on what kind of information they get back today. All right. A new project has listed Australia eighth in the world for its response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, this is a new project from the Lowy Institute here in Australia, and it's compared 98 countries in terms of how they've handled COVID-19. And a top spot on this list is New Zealand. So it's come first. It's been deemed the most effective handler of COVID-19, just ahead of Vietnam and Taiwan. And Australia has also been ranked eighth, just behind Iceland and Rwanda. So the Asia-Pacific region was the best-performing region. Uh, North and South America have been deemed as the worst. Uh, But the Lowy Institute points out that, in general, countries with uh, smaller populations and cohesive societies have had an upper hand with dealing with this health crisis. Uh, So that said, Brazil was placed last on the list. The United States is 94th and the UK is 66th. Wow. All right, a new analysis claims Australia will effectively be abandoning the Paris Agreement unless it makes a minimum 50% cut to greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. Under the LNP, I can't see this happening, Christina. No, and certainly as we've just been talking about, Labor is a bit um, challenging its climate stance as well. So there's this new group that's been established called the Climate Targets Panel. It's made up of policymakers and scientists and it's produced its report about Australia's performance on meeting the Paris targets. And it's found that the Morrison government should be aiming at a 2030 emissions reduction target of between 50 and 74% if it wants to meet its commitment of limiting, of limiting global heating to 1.5 to 2 degrees Celsius. And so that's the Paris target. So that goal is higher than the current coalition target of 26 to 28% compared with 2005 levels. And it's even higher than Labor's target of 45%, which is what it took to the last election. Uh, so this panel that has produced this report, it includes former Liberal leader John Hewson, and he says anything less than a 50% cut on 2005 levels by 2030 is essentially ban- abandoning the Paris Agreement. He's also argued that currently climate targets are being driven by political expediency, not science. But um, obviously climate will maybe shape up as one of the things that uh, these parties will fight on for this next election. All right, Christina, it's always great to chat with you on the program. Good job again, and we'll talk tomorrow. Thank you. All right, Christina in the capital, Marcus Paul in the morning. Uh, All right, quick break, and we're back to wrap up The Breakfast Show. 
All right, not too far away from wrapping up the breakfast show, 13 12 69, the telephone number. You can keep the calls coming through, of course, because uh, we're back uh, through till midday today uh, for the John Laws Morning Show. If you want to send a, a text, 0458 049 uh, a couple of... <laughs> have come through from my mate Lunatic Tin Hatter. That's what he calls himself these days. Uh, Not often I agree with you, Marcus, but you are so right about the New South Wales government. It's great that you're into them. But again, you were right in saying that Gladys and her mates don't seem to give a damn and they'll never change. Regarding the tolls, it's all about them, them and them. All right, thank you, mate. Uh, another note here. G'day, mate. Can you please replay again Fat Boy Levy? <laughs> His half hearted attempt to chop at you. He used to tell everyone that he would drop the shoulder into people when they were working, or walking rather, with their mobile phones. Just slam them. The only thing he can slam is a hamburger. <laughs> the husker from Pelican. Should I do it? You want me to do it? Should I replay it? I think we can replay it maybe once, can't we? Yeah, we can do it again. Um, yes, I don't know, he had a crack at me, but that's okay. It's a bit of fun. Where is it, Scruff? I can't seem to find it. Uh, we got it? The Mark Levy thing. Can you whack it up for me there? Uh, 13 12 69, telephone number, Marcus Paul in the morning. <sighs> All right, we got it. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. I don't listen to this radio. There's another radio station in Sydney with a a presenter by the name of Marcus Paul. Uh, Apparently, he's been taking pot shots at me to entertain his listeners. Uh, There's people who say, Mark, uh, this Marcus bloke's um, mocking you uh, on the other radio station. It's hilarious. And there she goes. She's down the sideline. She puts the pass inside. Dominic Perrottet can do nothing wrong. He's wonderful the way he's looked after eye care. He's flicked the ball back on the inside and to finish it off Matt Keen under the posts this is Mark Levy um, well that might be hilarious it is thank you Mark 13 12 69 the telephone number uh, news is next Australia's king of talkback radio John Laws returns Monday 9am <laughs> do I giggle yeah, like that giggle, yeah. I'll have to stop that I laugh at things I'm going to laugh at you in a minute Oh, you see, you can, can't you, you old thug, bloody <laughs> Yeah, well, say things like that, you can't, she's hung up. Say things like that, you can't help laughing. Australia's king of talkback radio, John Laws, returns Monday, 9am. Yes, there is only ever one king and long live the king. Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws. Call 13 12 69. Yeah, great to have you company. Welcome to the John Laws Morning Show. Marcus Paul in the morning, uh, warming the seat for just two more days and then the golden microphone is placed back in the fortress and John back 9am Monday. In the meantime, all the news and your views on this program. 13 12 69, the telephone number. If you want to send me a text... You can do that, 0458 049 209 and emails MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com.
Alright, welcome to it. Thursday morning, January 28, 2021 and Queensland's Premier has announced residents from Greater Sydney will be allowed to travel to the Sunshine State freely from next Monday. Maybe she heard the rantings of one former Prime Minister, Tony Abbott. He's got taken to social media to have a real old crack at what he's called ridiculous border closures. I'll play a little of Tones. Tones and I. (laughs) I'll play a bit of Tony for you very soon. Anyway, just repeating that breaking news from this morning, Anastasia Palaszczuk announced residents from Greater Sydney will be allowed to travel to the Sunshine State freely from next Monday. It comes as New South Wales yesterday recorded its 10th consecutive virus-free day with the Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, now announcing a number of ease restrictions from tomorrow morning. Up to 30 people will be allowed to gather in homes or 50 outdoors. And this is good news for those about to tie the knot, concerned about weddings. Here we go. The number of guests at weddings will increase to 300 and masks will no longer be mandatory in retail stores. They will, however, still be mandatory, that's masks, on public transport. Where you can, though, uh, the suggestion is just try and mask up. Just for now. I would, anyway. The federal government will today announce whether they'll extend the pause of the New Zealand travel bubble. Meanwhile, the country yesterday recorded another two cases with Australian authorities weary about the evolving South African strain of the virus. Meanwhile, new data shows a third of emergency department admissions across our country aren't receiving on-time treatment despite governments pouring more and more money into respective health systems. A report by the Productivity Commission found performance in our nation's hospitals is declining, particularly in Victoria, Tasmania and in South Australia. All right, in a bit to claw back the blue-collar votes, Anthony Albanese. Uh, look, I worry Albo has pressed the self-destruct button here. He's expected to sack his climate and energy spokesperson, Mark Butler, during a cabinet reshuffle this weekend. This, of course, follows Hunter MP Joel Fitzgibbon relinquishing his portfolio last year, claiming the party had moved too far left and they'd lost touch with blue-collar workers and they'd effectively taken the Labour, L-A-B-O-U-R, out of Labour, L-A-B-O-R. What do you make of that? I mean, Albo will look, of course, to try and claw back support among coal mining regions in this major front-bench reshuffle, but I worry, Anthony, whether it's going to be enough for you, mate. I really do. I like Anthony Albanese. I really do, and he's a nice bloke. A really good, decent Australian. But I just wish that he, I don't know, cut through a little more than he does. But I guess in fairness to Anthony Albanese, it doesn't help when, you know, I'm probably the only talkback announcer prepared to give him a crack. I mean, I give him plenty of airtime on my breakfast show in Sydney. He doesn't get anywhere near the airtime that he deserves as an opposition leader elsewhere. And that's a problem particularly from the Murdoch press and particularly from our colleagues down the road at 2GB. Um, I know it's slowly changing. I mean, we need to hear more of the federal opposition leader ahead of the next election. That'll probably take place. But, uh, I mean, apart from that, do you believe that Albo 
is the man to lead Labor to the next election. Because I suspect, and a lot of people agree, that the Prime Minister, Tony Abbott, will call a poll this year, possibly in spring. Okay. House prices in Sydney have surged to record highs despite the pandemic. The median house price in the Harbour City is now over $1.2 million. That's a whopping $50,000 more than the pre-pandemic median. So with that news, it comes as no surprise that a new survey has revealed Sydney is the most expensive city in the country to send your child to both private and public schools. The average cost to send a single child through the public system for 13 years is $90,000. When you factor into the equation the cost of excursions, uh, electronic devices, school fees, uniforms, textbooks and so on. And still in Sydney on the cost of living... And government data through a Freedom of Information Act shows a huge increase of drivers on some southern Sydney roads as people attempt to dodge the new M5 East toll. That toll alone costs $7.23 for a car. Or, and that's both ways. Okay, so you pay it twice. $21.70 for a truck. So, of course, people are going to avoid paying a toll on a, a motorway that was free for two decades. An average of 7,500 extra cars a day have been recorded at the Forest and Stony Creek Road intersections at Bexley since the toll was introduced in the middle of last year. It's quite clear that the cost of tolls is too high. People would prefer to sit in traffic than pay the ridiculous price to use these new roads. And what's even more ludicrous is that the infrastructure created to move traffic around like the new M8 tunnel is actually creating more traffic above ground. The tolls are ridiculously expensive, they're counterproductive and unfortunately we're going to be paying a fortune for, well, till the end of time it seems. Member for COGRA and Shadow Minister for the Transport of New South Wales, Chris Min, says these tunnels cost billions and are designed to get cars and trucks off our local roads, but the exact opposite is happening here. They're a multi-billion dollar failure and are killing local suburbs for one simple reason, Sydney tolls are just too expensive. And to make matters worse, the toll roads are subjected to an annual 4% increase. That is more than double the rate of inflation, making a bad situation even worse. And what does Gladys Berejiklian and Andrew Constance do? Nothing. Why? Well, because they simply do not care about the residents of Western, Southwestern and Northwestern Sydney. They don't care. They couldn't give... I mean, they're there with their hard hats and their high-vis shirts whenever a brand-new tollway opens. Isn't this wonderful? We're bringing all of this wonderful new infrastructure to Sydney, aren't we? Brilliant. No, what you're doing is kowtowing to big business and tying uh, struggling Sydney-siders into ever-increasing costs of living until the end of time. And I think it'll be a big issue heading, heading into, well, I'm certainly going to try and make it a big issue, heading into the next state election. I'm going to replay my chat with you uh, with Chris Minns from breakfast this morning a little later on the program. I think these are the issues that Sydney siders should be jumping up and down about. These are the stories, these are the main concerns that we should be addressing and holding the New South Wales LNP coalition government to account on. A vigil has been held overnight for the people who were killed 
when they were hit by this runaway stolen vehicle in Brisbane at Alexandra Hills while walking their dog. I mean, we've been through it. What a horrific accident. The car was allegedly being driven by a teenager who was on bail. He'd stolen the car. The bastard. Not only had he stolen the car, but he also was involved in ramming another vehicle, allegedly. We've seen that video. And then, some 15 minutes later, all hell broke loose. And then this cretin, this 17-year-old, did a bolt and ran away like the measly little coward he is and tried to carjack, or basically another vehicle from a, a bloke who said, no, this isn't happening, and pinned him down and gave him a few, just for good measure until the police arrived. I'm going to talk about this in more detail as well this morning. I mean, this fatality highlights the need to perhaps adopt things like Zoe's Law in New South Wales. And I call it, I don't care what anybody else thinks, I personally call it a triple fatality. A six-month-old fetus should be classed as a living person. If a baby can be born premier at six months and live and breathe and go on to lead a healthy, happy life, then they should be included in this law. The six month the uh, the woman who was killed was six months pregnant. This bloke should be up for three charges of murder, not the two that he's currently facing. All right, the alleged pedophile Malka Leifer has finally landed in Melbourne after fleeing the country for Israel 13 years ago. Now she's found guilty. Let's hope the judge throws the book at that woman. Her poor victims have been dragged through the ringer. And quickly in sport, the crickets uh, in cricket and Cricket Australia has demanded hotel quarantine staff in South Africa undergo two weeks quarantine before the Australian team arrives. That's, of course, so players don't contract the highly contagious strain of the virus currently moving around South Africa. Cricket Australia has reportedly set that as a condition... Uh, that South Africa must meet if they want the Australian players to enter their country. Makes perfect sense to me. And in the National Rugby League, the Telegraph is reporting Mitchell Pearce will meet with Newcastle Knights management today for contract negotiations. It's expected he'll be offered a 12-month extension, despite having a turbulent off-season with revelations he had thumb surgery yesterday. Well, we know Mitchell Pearce. He's a repeat offender. Um, I don't know, would you be offering him an extra 12 months? What about listeners on 2HD? What do you make of that? Give me a call. 13 12 69 up there in the Hunter. All right, to the open line. 13 12 69. Are you there, Bay? Hello? Yes, good morning, Marcus. Morning. Uh, Marcus, sir, we're with the, the bar laws. Um, what happened to the chain of responsibility? For example, if I have a car that goes in for new tyres and the tyre falls off the car after I drive it out and um, driving down the road, kill someone, the chain of responsibility goes back to the place where I get the uh, the tyres from. If I'm driving a truck down my truck down the road with a load of hay on and the bale falls off uh, onto a car... Chain of responsibility falls back on me because I didn't uh, check my load and I didn't secure my load uh, properly. So surely to God, the bail laws um, should uh, chain of responsibility should go back to the person who granted this um, this grub um, uh, bail who uh, killed those uh, 
people up in Queensland. All right, allegedly. We've just got to be a little careful, sub judice and all that before the courts, but your point is very valid. Uh, and continually we hear of stories where re-offenders, recidivist offenders are out on bail when they commit a, a heinous crime. And I agree entirely with you. There needs to be some sort of chain of responsibility back to whoever it was, whatever magistrate, whatever beak it was that set this bloke free. Because had they have decided to remand this 17-year-old in custody, then perhaps these three people, the two, the you know, the, the partner uh, and the bloke, and the six-month-old fetus would all still be alive. Uh, look, we'll talk more about it, 13, 12, 69, if you'd like to have your say on it. But, yeah, it's unfortunate. It really is. It's like uh, you can't criticise... Well, we certainly can criticise the judiciary, but no one, none of these judges, none of these magistrates that let these people out face any consequences for the decisions they've made. It was obviously the wrong decision. Everything's obviously better to see in hindsight, but... <laughs> What about the protection of the community? We are too soft, quite simply too soft. And this bloke, 17 years of age, as far as I'm concerned, should be tried as an adult, particularly with the driving record that he has and the fact that he's a, uh, you know, a, a, a long-time offender. Should not have been on the road, should have been sitting somewhere in a jail cell, cooling his heels and keeping the public of Australia safe. Genuine talk on the radio. Marcus Paul in the morning. If it's costing $48 for a return trip from the MacArthur, from Campbelltown, if it's costing that much for one return trip, even more, over $100 for a truckie, and that's in 2020. Could you imagine, bearing in mind that these tolls are in place for the next, I don't know, 30 odd years, even longer in some cases, could you imagine in a decade what the toll costs will be? I can't. It is the world's most expensive trip into work. And it's, well, it's toll mania. You know, this wonderful new tunnel the government's talking about to run from the northern beaches into the city. All it will be is more toll mania. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, emails starting to come through to the program. This one from Jan on MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Morning, Marcus. I have my own protest going on for almost six years now, and that is that I've refused to get a toll tag. Keep these bastards honest. Keep up the good work from Jan. Well, thank you, Jan. Appreciate that. Uh, yes, uh, the problem is, though, if you don't pay your tolls, you then get hit with an administration fee, which is usually 10 or $20 on top of what the original toll was. They're taking us for mugs. I want a message for the PR company that uh, rang our sales manager um, here at 2SM in Sydney. Oh, I don't know, when was it, late last year or something? Uh, having a crack at me for having a crack at Transurban, the, the toll companies. <laughs> they were a little upset by some commentary that I made. Well, this was the PR company that acts on their behalf. Here's the tip. If you want the message changed, then why don't you advertise with us? You advertise seemingly with everybody else. I just couldn't believe the gall of them. Can you believe these PR people? Ringing the sales guy here... To 
suggests that your morning announcer please cease and desist his commentary and his negativity on tolls. Give me a break. Anyway, Maureen says, Good morning, Marcus. The ongoing appalling treatment of Bernard Collery should be outraging every Australian, yet it's hardly touching base with the media. Uh, I've attached an article and I hope you can highlight the mistreatment by Christian Porter. It's funny how Porter and Tudge still go about their business without fear of any reprisal from Scott Morrison. I find Morrison to be repugnant and he runs his government like a thug. Does anyone else care about the bullish behaviour of this lot? This is over Witness K, a whistleblower in relation to East Timor. And we know, yes, of course, Attorney General Christian Porter is trying to make things even harder for Bernard Collery by questioning or blocking the role of eminent appeals specialist Brett Walker SC, who's offered to act on Collery's legal team on a pro bono basis. <laughs> anyway, apparently, the QC appearing for the government or Mr Porter said his boss did not consider Mr Walker's involvement necessary for the hearing. Righto. Uh, we need to do everything we can to drop whistleblower prosecutions in Australia because how on earth how on earth else are we going to keep the bastards honest? Uh, 13 12 69 the telephone number to have your say. Uh, let's have a look here. Betty says she can't access the program. We might have a problem I think with our uh, online this morning because the numbers seem to be down a fair bit. All right Betty we're on to it. We are on to it Betty. Uh, it's not working online at the moment, uh, in some cases. From Wendy. Marcus, this horrific tragedy has been on my mind since it happened. The 17-year-old lowlife who has no respect for anyone or anything remains nameless purely because of his age. This has to change, and it is about time people who are able to make changes get off their backsides and do something about the situation. In the meantime, this creep should be taken in the company of the police commissioner and the grieving parents are made to look at the deceased in the morgue. Regards, Wendy. Mm, we need to do something. Absolutely, we do. Appreciate it. 13 12 69, if you'd like to have you say, I need to take a break. When I come back, I want to speak to the New South Wales State Director of Family Voice, Greg Bondar, um, because this tragedy in Brisbane has led to further calls for a need to adopt Zoe's Law. What is Zoe's Law? Well... We know that a child at the well, a fetus, I keep saying child, I'm sorry, a fetus at the age of six months is able to live if it's born premature. So why not be counted as a human during a homicide or murder investigation? We'll talk about that in just a moment. program uh, there's reports now on sky that mark butler 
uh, will leave climate and energy uh, and move to health and aged care under Albo's ca- reshuffle, cabinet reshuffle, if you like, um, this weekend. But we'll confirm that. But that's being reported on Sky News. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Uh, Alan, we'll just take Alan quickly before we go on to Greg Bonder. Al, are you there, mate? Yeah. All right, Alan, what did you want to say? Uh, good day, Marcus. How are you going? I love the program. Thank you. This, uh, the la- that lady's call about Collery, the barrister who were representing um, Collery and... Yeah, and it was also, an email, yes, yes. Yeah, um, she's exactly right. I mean, the media's just left this alone completely, but Porter also, or Porter would have been involved, they raided the barrister's house yep. when he was out, and he uh, had an assistant there, and they took all his evidence. Now, he's asked for that to be returned, and um, they said no. And then Porter also and his legal team have asked for it to be a closed court. Did you know that? So there can't be, there won't be any reporting on it. Yeah, I know. The I whole mean, thing is a farce. This is our so Attorney un- General. Yeah. It's so undemocratic. It's not funny. It's just ludicrous, mate. I mean, it just really is. But everybody seems to be running scared of this federal LNP government in the media, um, apart from you. But, um, yes, God, I just makes me sick. Well, the thing is, uh, what I have concerns about, if we make it difficult, uh, and not necessarily just in this case, but if we make it difficult or if a government or an attorney general or somebody in power makes it difficult for whistleblowers to blow the lid on, you know, uh, atrocities, on corruption, on any range of issues, then, you know, people will be too afraid to step forward. We need a Whistleblowing Protection Act in our country. Absolutely, we do and we need a an attorney general who in my mind needs to act in the best interests of the country rather than his government that's what an attorney general should do totally agree with you i totally agree with you and porter's not doing that porter's acting in the interest of the government of course he is because he's trying to hide something perhaps thank you mate i need to move on alan appreciate it all right greg bonda is the new south wales state director of family voice good morning to you greg Good morning, Mark. It's good to be on the show. Thank you, and thank you for holding on through all of that. I greatly yeah. appreciate it. Now, just tell me Zoe's Law. Just explain to my yeah. listeners what Zoe's Law is again. Look, Marcus, let me give you a quick cameo, 30 seconds. Look, Zoe's Law, if you go back to Reverend Fred Nile, who's a member of the Legislative Council, New South Wales Parliament, he introduced the bill in um, 8th of August 2019. Yep. The, the bill was called, Marcus, the Crimes Amendment, Zoe's Law Bill 2019, and it was actually aimed at to prohibit conduct that causes serious harm to the destruction of an unborn child. In other words, a criminal offence. That's right. That's, that's essentially Zoe's Law. However, Marcus, this is the sad part about it, when it went to debate on Wednesday, the 11th of November 2020, Parliament knocked it back. So it's a tragedy because now what's happened is Gladys, the New South Wales government, has decided to put their own legislation up called the Crimes Legislation, Offences Against Pregnant Women Bill 2020, which is now actually seeking input from the people of New South Wales, which I'll get to in a moment. But the important thing about this is that it's a watered-down bill. In other words, the current law, Mark, sorry to interrupt, Mark, the current law says that it recognises the destruction of an unborn child as grievous bodily harm, but not as murder markets. Well, 
I'm sorry, but look, we need to be a little careful, subjudice, etc., with what's yeah, happened oh, in Brisbane. But, I mean, this horrible, and you call it a triple fatality, and I agree 100%, yeah. this horrible triple fatality in Brisbane, yeah. allegedly by a 17-year-old teen, highlights the urgent need for New South Wales Parliament to adopt Zoe's law currently. Mm. Um Look, again, without going into too much detail, yeah. but we know that a a, a fetus, a six-month-old fetus inside the, uh, the woman, passed away after this accident. Yeah. I would agree that at six months of age, uh, when you can be born at premature, if prematurely, if you like, and survive and live a normal, healthy life, well, then that's testament to, well, murder. Yeah, Marcus, let me just give you, I think you, I totally agree with you. Uh, I don't really want to talk about the person who committed, I want to talk about the issue because what we've got here is now, Marcus, I think you'll agree with me because scientifically it's a fact, life begins at conception. In other words, that person, that child, at conception has a separate DNA, it is there, it is a human developing. Now, whether it's three months, five months, eight months, it is an unborn child, and we have to recognise that 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 it's a criminal offence uh, to you know to, to cause the destruction and the fatality that occurred in Brisbane. Now, interestingly, Marcus Queensland has fetal criminal laws, which it, which they introduced in 1997. So it'll be interesting to see whether the police actually enforce that uh, law currently. Well, I hope they do. I hope yeah. they do. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. But, Marcus, we have to look, let's stand up as people of Australia. Let's start to stand up for what we believe in. And we believe in the fact that a child at conception is a child, an unborn child. And, and we have to recognise that. Now, interestingly, the, 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 the bill proposed by the New South government won't affect the current abortion law, so no one should be objecting to the, to the Zoe's Law bill that was put up by Fred Noel. So really, we're, we're up against the forces of, you know, uh, of, of those that would like to see everything sort of, you know, free, freed up. But uh, we're taking the view here at Family Voice that we have to protect family, faith and our freedoms. Yeah. Marcus. All right. So if people want some detail on, on what you're all about, where do they go to, Greg? Yeah, they go to familyvoice.org.au. But more importantly, if they could go to the New South Wales government website, they can actually put in a submission. They only have till tomorrow, unfortunately, 29th of January, but they can put in a submission making sure that the law, a Zoe's law type law, is passed here in New South Wales, Mark. All right. Good to talk to you, Greg. Appreciate okay. your time. Thank you. God, God bless. Bye-bye. All right, Greg Bonder, uh, the New South Wales State Director of Family Voice. Now, what do you make of it? Do you agree, disagree? It's one of these issues I know that uh, can be quite divisive, and let's leave out details of what happened in Brisbane at this point in time. But should a fetus, if the fetus is terminated through no fault of its own or the mother's fault, you know, it's not a natural death, if you like, it's through trauma, through a car accident or through an assault of the mother, should a fetus be treated in the same manner as a living being? I mean, as we heard just from Greg, I mean, they basically say that... The fetus is a living being, a living being, because of course, you know they believe life starts at conception. Anyway, what do you make of it? Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. The telephone number. Marcus Paul in the morning for Lawsy.
Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. I don't listen to this radio. There's another radio station in Sydney with a, a presenter by the name of Marcus Paul. Uh, apparently he's been taking pot shots at me to entertain his listeners. Uh, there's a people who say, Mark, uh, this Marcus bloke's um, mocking you uh, on the other radio station. It's hilarious. And there she goes. She's down the sideline. She puts the pass inside. Dominic Perrottet can do nothing wrong. He's wonderful the way he's looked after eye care. He's flicked the ball back on the inside. And to finish it off, Matt Keenan under the posts. This is Mark Levy. Um, well, that might be hilarious, but I've got a job to do here. And I'd suggest to Marcus Paul that if he wants to use the fill-in for Ray Hadley to entertain his listeners, he can go for it. I'd thank him for the publicity, but instead this bloke's taking pot shots at me. That's a bit rich. Nothing wrong with a bit of friendly banter, I'd say. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, 13, 12, 69, the telephone number. Uh... I'll just wait for this silly music to finish uh, because I've got something serious here. Police do need our help. They're looking for a teenage boy reported missing from Brisbane Water. Leif Courtney is age 13. He was last seen at his home on the Pacific Highway at Mooney Mooney at around 7.30 last night and hasn't been seen since. Officers from Brisbane Water Police District hold concerns for his welfare due, obviously, to this young fella's age, 13, and he also is autistic and is non-verbal. So a search of the area has recommenced this morning and Leaf is described as being Caucasian, around 160 centimetres tall with a slim build. He has shaggy blonde hair and a fair complexion. He was last seen wearing a grey singlet and short... Sorry, a grey singlet and shorts, along with sneakers with fluorescent green laces. Please... If you spot this young fellow, call Brisbane Water Police or Crime Stoppers. one 800 0 is the number. Let's hope we have a, uh, a good ending to this story. But there is a missing autistic teen on the New South Wales Central Coast. He's been missing since overnight. And police and family members obviously hold grave concerns for this young fellow's welfare. <laughs> Terry, good morning. Uh, good morning, Marcus. How are you? All right, thank you, mate. That's the way. Um, with these motor vehicle accidents that injure people, that becomes into that uh, compulsory third-party um, law. Yes, correct. Uh, under the Motor Vehicle Compensation Act. And, you know, I mean, that can be a bit of a nightmare, and people are getting hurt and not receiving money of any description because it comes down to intentions and... And, and um, I've never liked the idea of paying compulsory CTP where insurance companies are involved because, as you well know, and probably people listening might agree, insurance companies will do absolutely everything they possibly can not to pay, won't they, Terry? Yes, they do, and they, they yeah. know the rules, and it's only, you know, it's like a brain surgeon, no offence, but they only know about, like, they only need and have to work on brains. Yeah. It's like... A lawyer that's involved with compensation, they just deal in that part of the law. They're not interested in criminal law or um, they have to follow the rules and regulations. And that's what's wrong with Australia. Every single thing in our life has a rule and a regulation and an act or a tax and a levy on (laughs) every single thing. Yes. Everything. 
Well, especially here in this country, I think we're the most, one of the most over-regulated, certainly the most overtaxed countries on the planet. Thanks, Terry. Got to move on, mate. Anna, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. Hello, Anna. How are you? Well, thank you. Uh, look, with regard to that serious fatal accident, I think there's a third person involved in this accident, and that's the person supplying the drugs. I mean, you know, that's... We've well, just, contribu- just got to be a little careful because there is an allegation. Um, but, yes, uh, let's say it's a proven allegation. Just It's sub judice, so I've got to be very careful. It's before the court. But uh, there are suggestions that this young bloke, uh, this 17-year-old, was high on substances at the time, perhaps ice. Well, and, you know, that other fatal accident where those, um, you know, four children in one family were were killed by a a drug addict driver, Mm. that he was under the influence of drugs and everything else. I think it's, you know, it's wrong that they get behind the wheel. They're irresponsible. Mm. They're taking people's lives. But the person supplying the drugs, if they can name and get them as well, they should be, you know, an accomplice to this accident because maybe that would not have happened if that, fellow wasn't under the influence of drugs he would have been more aware of what he was doing well yes there's a lot of would be's and could be's uh, you're absolutely right though um, and that's the big problem particularly with a number of drugs I mean this bloke it was acting so irrationally you could see uh, by uh, the alleged incidents uh, involving road rage where he's you know he was in a stolen car and he allegedly according to this video that we've all seen tried to side swipe and run a, a silver Hyundai off the road. I mean, boy, oh boy. He shouldn't have been behind the wheel. He should have been, uh, I don't know, cooling his heels in a jail, jail cell somewhere considering his appalling driving record. But no, uh, we have a, a system that seems to be terribly soft on juvenile offenders, even at the age of 17, with records as long as both my arms. Ralph, hello. Yeah, g'day, Marcus. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I've rung up about the triple fatality, the death of the child in the worm, and I reckon a bloke should go to jail for it in this situation. But what about these laws? If the father kicks the dog to hurt the mother, he goes to jail. But if the mother has an abortion to hurt the father, she walks. She gets to murder the child to hurt the father, but she walks. All right, you're going to open up that can of worms, are you, Ralph, uh, regarding abortions? Can we can we perhaps not talk about that today in light of the fact that, uh, I don't know, a, a, a six-month-old fetus is being killed in a car accident? It's a child. It's a child in the womb. Mate. Okay. That's well, I agree with you. I agree with you on that, but I disagree with you wholeheartedly when it comes to abortions. Abortions should be legal. <laughs> well, that's what you reckon, mate, but you're going to have to face God in judgment one day and you'll have to argue it with him. But God sees it as murder. According to you, he sees it as murder. According to God, he according sees it to, as murder. Well, according to you and your interpretation of a, a book that's so old and so ancient that you believe in fairy tales and fairy dust. It still applies to today. No, it doesn't, Ralph. No, it doesn't, Ralph. If we applied it to today, we we wouldn't be living the kind of life that we live today, Ralph. I've managed to stir up Satan with with hardly even mentioning God. Satan getting stirred up today. Yeah. Satan getting stirred up today. Mate, the only Satan around here, I think, is you. 
I think like I think you're about. the devil incarnate, Ralph, and you've been sent from your God <laughs> with your with his silly book just to harass and harangue me and my listeners. God, Satan doesn't like to hear about God on your show. He, Satan doesn't like it at all, so he uses you to shut down the Christians from talking about Jesus Christ. No, I'm not shutting down Christians at all. Christians are free to express their viewpoints and express uh, their feelings and what they believe in, preferably on a Sunday inside Mass at a church. Ralph? Jesus says go into all the world and preach the gospel. So you're trying to limit Jesus. You're trying no, to- I'm not, you moron. Have a listen to what I'm telling you. I'm not trying to do anything apart from present a radio program that is... Uh, accessible and understood by the vast majority of listeners, of which most, from all of the records and accounts and emails and texts and phone calls I get, Ralph, think you're an absolute nut job. Yeah, well, that's what Satan would say. And Satan wants to... Well, I got an email as well from Satan. He says exactly the same thing. Marcus, this is Satan. Ralph is a nut job. All right, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Enzo, are you there, mate? Hello, Marcus. Yes, I am. Excellent. Uh, the jails, they're filling up, are they? Well, I know for a fact in Queensland, uh, the jails are full, including juvie. There's no room. Mm. And the problem here is no politician is going to get elected by announcing they're going to be building new jails in their electorate. Everybody True. wants these people locked up, but not in my area, somewhere else. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, the big issue is the civil libertarians. Yep. My answer would be to build jails, train in, rail in and rail out, yep. out in the desert. So if you escape, you've got my, good luck. Um, <laughs> but the civil libertarians are turning around, so that's too cruel out there for them. Well, that's half the problem, mate. I don't mean to rush you, Enzo, but I, I've got to go to the news at 10 o'clock Sydney time. Uh, but you're right, uh, the civil libertarians are a big part of the problem. Oh, we can't jail a 17-year-old, even if he's killed three people. All right, uh, back to call. Uh, by the way, we've got a little issue, I think, with uh, with our online system at the moment. TuneIn is working. Uh, TuneIn.com, search for 2SM, and you'll be able to listen to us online because I think there's, uh, well, I understand there's been a bit of a problem with a server somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but uh, that's why some people have had a little trouble tuning into the program this morning. We are working on it, though. Promise, we are. Uh, 13, 12, 69. Carolyn, good morning. How are you? Carolyn, are you there? Oh, yes. Hello, Marcus. Hi, Carolyn. Um, regarding abortion, I just have one question I'd like to ask you. Aren't you glad your mother didn't have an abortion when she was carrying you? Absolutely, aren't I you, am. Aren't you glad she gave you the greatest gift of all, the Absolutely. gift of life? But as far as you're concerned... Yeah. All you were born, that's all that matters, so all other unborn children can just bugger off. No, not all other unborn children can just bugger off, Carolyn. You said you were in favour of abortion. Well, I am in favour of abortion. I'm in favour of women having the right to choose. That's what I'm in favour of, Carolyn. Well, Marcus, once a woman is pregnant, it's not just about her body. She's got another 
human life developing inside of her. Yep. So it's not just about her. Well, I agree with that. It's not just about her. It's about the the child and whether or not the child can be brought up in a in a secure, safe family. What about women who are raped? What about if someone raped you, Carolyn? Would you still go ahead and have that child? Well, it's not the child's fault, is it? Well, you didn't you answer see, my oh, question. You didn't oh, answer yeah. my question. You didn't answer my question, Carolyn. If you were raped, would you go ahead and have that child, Carolyn? Yes, I would. Okay, well, that's your choice. See, you get a choice. So you've just contradicted yourself. Women should be able to have a choice as to whether or not they have an abortion. Yeah, well, abortion, in other words, it's just murder. It's killing the unborn child. All right. So you're in favour of killing the unborn child if that's what the woman wants. Well, if you want to put it that way, you can put it that way and we'll just have to agree to disagree. So you're very glad your own mother didn't have an abortion, aren't you? Of course I am. Well, of course I am. What a stupid question to ask me. Oh, is it? Yeah, but as far as you're concerned, all other un- unborn children... No, again, making, gener- again making generalisations, Carolyn. I, am not, I, did, I never once said... I never once said all other children. You're not listening. You you have blinkered vision. You just have one. You, there's no. Well, what are you trying? There's to no grey area with you. Hey. What are you trying to say then? Well, you I'm saying mean- quite clearly. If you just listen, take your blinkers off for a moment. What I simply said was, women do have the right in this country to abort a fetus if that's what they wish to do. Yeah, to murder the unborn child. No, in other words. no, not to murder anybody, to abort the child. Yeah, well, well, the well, child well, 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 well. Look, I'm sorry, <laughs> you're in the minority, Caroline. Oh, am I? Yes, absolutely, you are. I think you are. No, I think you are. Why don't you do a little research rather than just stick by? Look, morally, I agree. You're allowed to have your opinion, absolutely. But in order for you to have your opinion. Okay, which I respect. I do respect your opinion, except for when you talk in generalities, but you should also respect the rights of women around this country of ours to make a decision on their own without being made to feel guilty by the likes of you. Now go away. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Well, look, it's uh, it's a bit colder uh, here in England, and uh, uh, it's so cold I actually have to wear um, hummingbird smugglers. Um. (laughs) Marcus, Paul in the morning. Look, some people have suggested to me the reason Tony Abbott's a little upset at the moment is the fact that he can't go back to the United Kingdom. (laughs) I don't know. What's going on, Tone? Um, He was on social media in the last 24 hours making some statements in relation to uh, the coronavirus restrictions that have been put in place here in Australia. Um, let's have a, a little listen to the former member for Warringah. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. It was almost the mark of an Australian to sit beside the driver in the front seat of a taxi. Because here, in this country, no one's better than anyone else. But like so much, that's currently against the rules. Along with singing, dancing and having too many friends and family around for a barbecue. Thanks to the pandemic, we're now told to form orderly and socially distanced queues, as if we were English. For the past year, we've been coping with a potentially deadly disease, but it takes a fair dose of virus hysteria and health despotism for Australians to be barred from Victoria. 
without first getting a visa. So what do you make of it, uh, Tony Abbott there? He's described the coronavirus restrictions as quote-unquote hysteria in this video statement. Uh, health officials, of course, uh, would disagree. Uh, we have around 900 deaths from COVID-19 compared to the 2.15 million annually. Uh, but Mr Abbott then goes on to basically say that, well, unfortunately, we have allowed the virus to dominate our lives. Here's a little bit more of, uh, of Tony. For a full year, we've let a virus dominate our lives and in the process, put safety before freedom, prudence before courage, and avoiding danger before accepting risk, even though courage, conviction, and character remain vital to our success as a people and as a nation. What do you make of it? 131269 is the telephone number. I mean, he's almost calling our chief medical health officers and those who, I guess, have tried to do the right thing, despots. Adam, good morning. How are you? Morning, Marcus. I just wanted to touch on what you said earlier about the government performance. I do admit I may have been a bit blinkered and I may have said it the wrong way. So I just wanted to say I'm sorry I nudged you the wrong way and thanks for giving me the time to at least try and eke out something that I wanted to say. All right. When, when was this, Adam? I can't remember. I'm sorry. Earlier speaking, this so, morning. Uh, what well, was our conversation about? They're just the state government. That's oh, all. I was, state I was government. a bit blinkered then. Uh, that's all right, mate. Yeah. Perfectly Thanks for fine. having me on anyway. It's, it's nice to have someone that can at least um, at least try and listen and understand what I have to say. But you, uh, you're a fan of uh, of the current coalition government here in New South Wales. Look, I tell you, you're not alone. You're in a majority. A lot of people uh, are very um, happy with the way Gladys Berejiklian has has operated the uh, you know the reins of New South Wales in the, the last year or so. And, and to uh, her great credit, the Premier of New South Wales has done a magnificent job on dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. But there are other issues that I think we need to look at, and that includes, and what I have uh, major concerns about are people living in Western Sydney, their cost of living, and the fact that we've sold out yeah. our citizens... Uh, to to basically <laughs> condemn them on paying ever-increasing tolls just to travel on roads. It should be a right. We, we are so overtaxed. We pay stamp duty on everything but the bloody air we breathe. And yet, and yet we, we don't seem to be jumping up and down about this. I would. I want to... I mean, I want to try and get as many people... Uh, a groundswell of people to start complaining to their local MPs to hold the government to account for the decisions they've made in awarding contracts to Transurban and others who essentially are holding road users in New South Wales to ransom. Yeah, I think those are all um, very good things. And I would agree with a lot of them that we do need to try and get the cost of living down to the just not too much so we don't pay too far up the nose to the point where it bleeds. Well, unfortunately for a lot of people in MacArthur, those that live in the southwest of Sydney, they're already bleeding. And that's why the uh, Freedom of Information Act and the information that I've received clearly shows that the $4.3 billion M8 toll road, which was designed to reduce surface traffic off local roads, has instead increased local traffic as trucks and cars avoid the exorbitant toll on the road. I mean, if you're seeing a massive 137% increase in the number of vehicles 
that are travelling along Stony Creek Road, Forest Road and all those roads in that area of Sydney, well, something's gone terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. I mean, the government, even in its own estimates, thought there'd be, oh, maybe, well, they anticipated a rise of around, oh, 35%, but not 137%. And the problem is, the actual numbers show a far larger increase than even the government expected. These new toll roads are a multi-billion dollar failure, and they're killing local suburbs for one simple reason, and that is that Sydney tolls are too damn expensive. Les, are you there, mate? Les? Yeah, good day, Marcus. How are you? All morning? right, Les. Thank you. Um, I've got a pretty quick uh, thing for you. Thank God we got you on the radio. Instead of listening to all them um, people ring up about God, what he's saying oh, well, and all that. All right. No, look, again, I, just let me make it very clear. I had a little fun with Ralph before, and uh, I mean, a lot of people think I'm disrespectful, but I'm just trying to put on a show that's uh, yep. about issues, and I don't believe allowing Ralph or uh, Leone on to talk about or sermonise to people each and every day is something that I want to do. I'm not comfortable with it. That's me. It's my choice. Yep. Others will do it differently, and that's all good. But <laughs> Ralph I'm, doesn't learn I'm, his lesson. He tries every time. <laughs> I agree 100% with you. It's all good. Uh, I agree 100% with you. And thank God, really, thank God we Tony Abbott ain't the Prime Minister anymore. What? Yeah, uh, what, he, what he said. Well, see, the thing is, it wouldn't matter. Look, Tony Abbott, if, even if he was the Prime Minister, Les, he wouldn't be able to do anything. He'd be a little like Scott Morrison because states yeah. have turned around and done their own thing. So he'd be hand-tied exactly. as well. That's the problem. And the last thing I want to talk to you about, um, have you heard anything about uh, a car crash in Mount Jewett where the uh, air flight helicopter landed at Wayland? Uh, this morning... We're in the last half an hour. All right. We'll find out for you, mate. I'll, I'll definitely do that, OK? All right. Thank you, Marcus, and have a good day. You too, buddy. Appreciate the call. Thank you. 13 12 69. The John Laws Morning Show returns February 1st. All right, a note here from Philip George Jackson. When on bail, any crime you commit up to the same level of charges you are facing will be served concurrently, so criminals consider this as a free crime. We must change bail laws so any crime committed is sentenced after your first sentence is finished. Well, that makes absolute sense, Philip. Thank you so much for that. Look, one of my long-term listeners has sent us a, a really good note. His name is Kevin. Uh, and I think this makes sense, so I wanted to share it uh, here on the Law Show this morning. I can't say much because of the laws of subjudice, but I must say this, Marcus. The tragedy of the deaths of two innocent pedestrians in Brisbane has saddened, horrified and angered our nation. The bail laws are a joke in every jurisdiction. How can a person with 50 pending charges and a known contempt of the rule of law be allowed out on bail. Secondly, if a person is only 17 but has regularly committed serious adult crimes, be tried as a child. This requires us as a society to look at how we define childhood. 
The murder of a toddler in Britain caused the United Kingdom to change its laws, allowing the full weight of the law be available to prosecute persons under the legal age. We ignored this to our shame. And we now have the vehicular murder of this couple in Brisbane. The alleged murderer will be tried in a children's court where the penalties are so light as to be irrelevant. If a child commits a very adult crime, then that child must be trialled as an adult. I don't care if the child is 17 or 10 years of age. I urge everyone to write to their local members, state and federal, and demand these laws be changed right now. Five o'clock on a weekday The regulars start calling in To Marcus Paul on the radio Speaking your mind's not a sin Give him a call on the telephone Tell the world what's on your mind Let's make sense of it all Come on, call Marcus Paul here on Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yep. From the uh, I can't believe I'm reading this file, the New South Wales Education Department's forked out 35 grand for a. Are you ready ready for it? A culturally safe yarning circle. What's a yarning circle? Uh, Reports the meeting room features round tables and stools covered in Indigenous designs. Well, that sounds lovely, but apparently it's going to be used as a conference room in Parramatta. $35,000. How many air conditioners would that have put in New South Wales schools in some of the hottest regions across the state? Probably quite a few, I'd imagine. It's about priorities. Hello, Stuart. How are you? Are you there, Stuart? All right, Stuart, couldn't hold on. Apparently there's a, a rescue helicopter around the Wayland Mount Druid area. Uh, maybe we can get on to that, somebody, uh, to find out exactly what's happening around there. Ivana, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. Look, uh, please, I would like to correct my saying yesterday, which I said about uh, the people who lost their job because of the virus. I didn't say that the government should help. What I was trying to say, but you cut me off anyway. I was well, Ivana, come on. <laughs> oh, my God. I can barely understand a word you're saying in the first place, but I cut you off anyway. Uh, for goodness sake, Ivana, you ring every day. You speak to all different announcers all times of the day, which is fine. Uh, most of the time, it's a little difficult to understand what you're saying, and you take forever to make a point. That's the problem. Bye. Hello, Rob. Are you there, mate? Yes, mate. I'd just like to bring to your attention that the more people that ring up and complain about you, Dave and and, and Dean Mackin, the better, and we'll get you off the air. Oh, really? Thank you very much, mate. Is that it, Rob? Is that what you wanted to say? You didn't want to talk about the government or bushfires that is written up here? No, you didn't want to? It's the only way to get through to some of you's people because... Some of you's people? Some of you's people? You's people? Why don't you listen to your mate Husey, Rob? Husey, complain about you's. We'll get you off the air quicker than you can talk. Crap, mate. 
I beg so your pardon, great... Rob. So, Rob, you don't want to talk about the government or bushfires. Is that maybe outside of your intellectual capabilities? Is that right, Rob? Calling people morons. Though. Well, you are a moron, Rob. And um, maybe you um, should be taken off the air. I'll be taken off the air. Why, Rob? Because then I wouldn't be able to have fun with complete knobs like you. people get you people off the air well, what do you want rob honestly what do you want apparently um there's a bit of an issue with streaming us at the moment we're still working on tune in yeah not much love uh, between uh, perhaps me and the cockadoodle guy was that the uh, caller who just rang you know the guy with the real annoying voice sounds like easy um, I think it is the guy, the same guy. Mate, this is the most redneck radio station that's going on. This You can't talk to it. You can't get a decent word across the airways if you don't agree with some of your fellow radio announcers. What are they trying to do? Still uh, listeners from TGB? Like? I want to talk about the Margaret uh, Court fiasco. Oh, three cheers for Margaret Court. She's a dead set legend. Uh, she's got the gullies and she's able to stand up and, against these rednecks. If you want to look at what's going on, Trumpy, they stole the election off him. There's a thing called Rebel News, and it's all just starting to come out. Also, the Trumpet.com talks about uh, how they stole the election. <laughs> we are so blinded out here in the West with this cock cockly doodle dude nonsense these guys keep putting down on us, mate. We just so stupid here in the West. We, you wouldn't feed after us. We're all walking around with a stupid mask on, all the different influenza A and B. I've had a gut full of this radio station. Cock cockly doodly doo, my old uh, cockly doodly doo. All the news and your views. <laughs> Marcus Paul in the morning. Could you imagine if that bloke actually bred? Um, I hope he hasn't got kids. No, he probably hasn't. You're right. No. Probably no friends either. All right, uh, yes, I've got a couple of notes here. Did I say Prime Minister Tony Abbott in my introduction or, or earlier on this morning? Of course I meant former Prime... I forgot the word former, OK? So it was a slip of the tongue. Of course I know that uh, Prime Minister... Uh, current Prime Minister is Scott Mo- Morrison. ScoMo, not Tony Abbott. Did Tony Abbott have a nickname like ScoMo has and Albo has? By the way, Albo's been... Um, holding a press conference in the last half hour where he's defended his decision to perhaps move Mark Butler from uh, his front bench and replace him with somebody else. Some say perhaps Anthony is shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic when it comes to federal labour. What do you say? 13, 12, 69. Uh, All right, one more call before we actually head off to another break. Jason, are you there, mate? Jace? Yes, Marcus. Hello, Jason. How you going? Having fun. What's on your mind, mate? Um, people when they're when they're released out on on bail, what does that provide the person who's released out on bail? In my opinion, the bail is just a stay out of jail card by the judge and the courts. But now that they're released out on the street, mm. so everybody's had enough of this stuff of people released on bail. They're all repeat offenders. They've got a filthy criminal record. So this is how I look at it. Things are changing now. People are going to get fed up with it. So 
a little village idiot commits all these page full of crimes and he gets released out on bail. Now, there's a little window gap there that the courts or whatever probably, you know, or, or most people haven't thought of. But in my opinion, Marcus, that person that's released out on bail, now this is just me, and if I can get a handful of other village idiots together, you're fair game. You're fair game to be set upon. All right, well, you're inciting violence and I probably should terminate the conversation. Uh, no, you should not uh, incite violence, but I agree with you on the bail laws. Um, we cannot take the law into our own hands, even though, God, there are times, obviously, when we wish we could. We wish we could, but we can't. And uh, i just got to be a little careful. Um, I don't want anybody on this program inciting any violence toward anybody else. I mean, yes... <laughs> Some of the language is a little loose, and yes, the debate gets a little willing and all the rest of it, but um, yeah, let's, let's stop short of inciting acts of violence against other people, even if they are vile perpetrators as much as we want to, because then, in my opinion, you'd probably be no better than what they are. All right, Sid, good morning. How are you, mate? Good as gold, mate. Yourself? Excellent. Sid, where are you calling from, by the way? Tully, North Queensland. Beautiful. What's the weather like up there in Tully today? <laughs> it's raining. <laughs> it's raining. Good. Well, that's good, though. That is good. Uh, that's good. Good for what our best rainfall for one year was eight metres. Well, yeah, okay. You can share it around if you wouldn't mind, Sid. That'd be good. All right, what's on you your can, mind, mate? You can have as much as you want. Sure. That's these um, these brain dead junior kids and what have you, whoever they are. Mm. Some of them adults. Uh, look, I'm eighty years old. I drive. Uh, we have two cars in the house, and that's costing me over a thousand dollars a year. Yeah have the two cars and not they're not new ones yep this poor bugger that owned that brand new what eighty thousand dollars worth of land cruiser yeah or whatever it was worth yeah uh he's got a scar against him now the insurance company can say all they like but that's a claim against his his name so consequently he's gone up ten percent you know every australian every driver that is insured. every every driver yep. is paying at least two hundred to three hundred dollars a year. Yep. For these people's entertainment. Now, frankly, it's ridiculous. I'm eighty years old, mate, and I get no discount on my register, my insurance, or registration, or anything like that. Yep. Uh, pay the bloody thing, and then and smile. It doesn't work. Uh, then they fill the car up with uh, siblings or friends or whatever. Yeah. They know exactly what's going on. They know he, that he's pinched it and he's going to write it off or burn it or when he's finished with it. So he's driving, their passengers, uh, they do the same time and right. do time. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, a lot of people would agree with you, Sid. We are simply too soft. Too soft. And we allow uh, these young people who maybe go to juvie for a couple of weeks, couple of months, whatever, uh, they get back out. They are recidivist defenders. They'll redo it uh, time and time again until they're locked away or really taught a lesson. 
All right, thank you, mate. Neil, good morning. How are you, Neil? Hey, Marcus, how are you, mate? I'm well, thank you. You're an ex-police officer. Three decades in the service. Thank you, mate. No worries, mate. I just wanted to explain to all the callers why they've been charged with murder. Yeah. And and exactly what I would have done, and I have done, is uh, a bloke out on bail who's a dickhead, an absolute dickhead, you charge him with murder so the magistrate, his hands are tied, he cannot release him on bail. There you go. Anyone charged with murder cannot be released on bail. Now, he won't get convicted of murder because he didn't intend to kill them. Uh, we know that, but there's a great thing to hit him up straight away and he can't get out on bail no matter what weak magistrate they have. Yeah, he shouldn't have been out in the first place. It's no, just awful. No, he's got, he's got a record a mile long. Mm. And we're run by uh, lefty greeny idiots. <laughs> well, civil libertarians. Let's let's yeah. let's be honest. Uh, I think that, uh, as I said before, we're we're too soft for some yeah. reason. There's a, a failure in the bail laws. Perhaps magistrates and judges have their hands tied, particularly in Queensland, where an earlier yeah. caller suggested that there's just no room to put these people. We'll build some new jails. Hundred percent. Build some, not- yeah. They won't win them votes. That's the bloody problem. Uh, we need more jails, more hospitals, more everything. But no, nah, they'd rather spend money on the bloody gay and lesbians or something. Well, I don't know if I agree with the last bit, but I've got you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, priorities. 13, 12, 69. Boy, oh boy. Leslie, hello. Morning, Marcus. Morning, Leslie. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> skating by. <laughs> Look, I just wanted to ring. I'm quite nervous. I just wanted Don't to be ring. nervous. I love your show. I wish you were on every day of the week. Well, I am. Stick it to all these. But um, I don't hear you every day. I don't have very good reception where I live. Oh, where um, do you, where do you live? Oh, I live um, out of Tamworth. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and but honestly, stick it to all these imbeciles. <laughs> That's all they are. Absolute imbeciles. Give them a bit more. They deserve more than what you're giving them. I love your show. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you so much. Will you enjoy will. your day, Leslie? I will. And I'm, I'm glad I've phoned you. I've been wanting to phone you for a long time. So I just um, I just really love your show. Well, it's wonderful to hear from you, and I really appreciate your kind words. And, look, you can always listen to us online. Uh, from next Monday, by the way, when John returns, we're back to, to normal. Everyone's back from next week. So we'll be on five till nine. You you can get us in places like Tamworth for the first hour, or yes, the first hour till six. But if you want to stay and listen to my program, just go online to smsupernetwork.com or tune in. Plenty of ways you can listen to us and continue listening to to my program if that's what you like to do. But I mean, I'd also like to <laughs> for you if you're up in Tamworth to listen to Two TM. Why wouldn't you? They're wonderful up there. Great cookbook as well from the team at 2TM in Tamworth. All right, um, I'm going to take a little song break here. Let's go back to the 80s, shall we? Oh, Dave wants to talk about abortion next. I fear another argument brewing. It's Marcus Paul in the morning. 13 12 69 is my telephone number. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Kids in sex class could run the joint better than them. Fair dinkum. Look at the Ruby Princess debacle. Look at every other debacle. All right. Uh, John, John, take a breath. It's okay. I take a breath. I haven't started yet. We want to see the report I'm putting together for this hospital thing. We're bringing you all the news and the views.
Marcus Paul in the morning. <laughs> Where are you, Dave? I haven't heard much of Dave so far in 2021. I wonder whether this is the same Dave. Might not be. I'll find out in just a moment. Uh, Dave wants to talk about abortion. Hello, Dave. Hey, Marcus. How are you, mate? I'm okay, Dave. Mate, I want to talk about that lady here. I couldn't believe how narrow-minded she was. Now, I'm, I'm reasonably conservative, but, I mean, I, I have no problem with abortion. And the thing this lady needs to realise, and you touched on it, now, if a, if a lady was raped, would she want to have a child for the rest of her life as a constant reminder of her horrific incident that happened to her? Or if, if you were advised by a doctor that, you know, you had blood tests, whatever, we have amazing technology those days, yes. that your baby's going to be you know, very physically... Um, Handicapped, yes. Yeah, whatever. Would, would you want to put a kid through that? And, I mean, I've seen people with handicapped kids, Marcus, or even just Down syndrome kids and that, and all they do is worry their whole life, yep. who's going to look after my kids when I pass away? Now, I mean, that lady needs to realise... Having a child is a lifelong commitment. You've got young blokes. I've got a young bloke and a, a daughter. Yep. And, I mean, they're adults, technically, but we still worry about them, Marcus. So, I mean, yes. that lady, I mean, she really knows to think outside the circle a bit and realise that people have personal choices. And, you know, that's, that's why we have choices, to make decisions that we feel are right for us, not for, yeah. not for anyone else. Well said. Look, uh, she did make some valid points, and I it, it, I did think when she said, well, aren't you glad, Marcus, that your mother made the decision not to abort you? And, uh, well, of course. I mean, that's a, yeah. it was kind of a silly thing to say, uh, because what did she expect me to say? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, well. But again, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we, have, we have laws in this country that allow women freedom of choice. I follow the law, but I also in my in my own heart, and it seems a little odd, uh, you know, two blokes, us, you and me, Dave, talking mm-hmm. about abortion. We can't have kids, <laughs> you that's, know. That's I mean, right. We play yeah. a major part in creating children, of course, but you yeah. know, we're not the ones who carry them. We're not the ones who deliver them, and we're not the ones who are. I mean, obviously, we're responsible for our children, but we know the bond between a mother and a child. It's something really only women can fully understand. I certainly couldn't fully comprehend it. So for that very reason, I agree that, you know, there should be a choice involved. Yeah, and, and imagine, Marcus, what you just said to me. Imagine us being women and us having to actually make that choice. It would be very um, sort of uh, difficult to make. But, yeah, oh, as, of course as it would be. Of course it would be. And I think that you're right. When when people come on the radio and make uh, people who've had abortions feel uh, inhumane, feel guilty, uh-huh. feel awful because of a choice that they've legally made, well, I'm sorry. Keep that moralising and preaching to within your own circle if that's what you want to do. That's fine. But, uh, look, I again, yes, the law is the law. You can make a decision as a woman to either keep or abort a fetus. Uh, There are a number of arguments around how long, you know, it should be. I get that. I mean, I don't like the idea of a full-term baby being aborted. I mean, that's, uh, again, no, I don't like the idea of that. But certainly early terminations up to 20 weeks, uh, that's the law. We can do it. 
Yeah, and people people actually need to be in that situation, Mark, where they can then genuinely comment on on the situation. But can I tell you one more thing before I go, mate? I heard you Please. say the networks, there's a few network problems and what have you. Mm. If people download the app, it's called Simple Radio. Yeah, and oh, that's what I'm listening to you on now. And works fine, mate. You can get whatever station you want, but obviously this station's on it, and I'm listening to it. Yeah, simple radio. Yeah, give that a crack to the listeners. And um, good on you, mate. Thank you. I'll get you loud and clear. Thanks, mate. Have a good weekend. All right, appreciate it. Appreciate the call, Dave. Thirteen twelve sixty nine. Please, ladies, uh, feel free to call. Uh, I mean, I'd love to get a woman's opinion on this, and uh, I'm not going to argue. The only reason I got into an argument with the earlier caller, the, the lady who rang, was because she was obviously very feisty, and and we started the conversation rather uncivilly, uh, and you could tell immediately in the tone of her voice that I was about to be ripped a new one by her, which I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Uh, just on abortions, regarding uh, an email here from Frank, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Why is it that in Australia alone every year there are approximately 100,000 abortions? That's one million every 10 years. With sex education and availability of contraception, there is no reason why this figure should be so high. Some women have more than one abortion. Obviously, they are using abortion as a form of contraception, says Frank. All Australians should be ashamed at this high amount of yearly abortions. Do you know that there are some people who will not vote for any party? They abstain from voting because Medicare covers abortions, and by voting, they believe they are supporting this practice. Cheers, Frank. All right, well, isn't there a right to life party or something out there, Frank? for these minorities uh, because let's face it I believe, I would believe correct me if I'm wrong that the people who don't agree with abortion are in the minority in this country. I think you'll find that's probably true If you disagree, give me a call If you agree, also give me a call 13 12 69 the number The John Laws Morning Show returns February 1st. All right, what's going on with Albo, who was on the 7.30 report last night, saying that, look, I'm safe. I'm as safe as houses. I'll lead Labor to the next election. I don't know, the drums beating louder for the humble man from Marrickville in Sydney. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. 13, 12, 69. News is next. Australia's king of talkback radio, John Laws, returns Monday, 9am. Oh, God, we've got Norman. We might as well get it over and done with him. Norman, are you there? Give it away, OK? It's painful to listen to you every morning. And I'm sure the callers out there, if you were honest people out there, you'd ring up and tell him to go. Why? Okay? why what? Ex- no, excuse, excuse me a minute. On. Norman, excuse me a moment. You disgusting, unbelievably incredible <laughs> grub. Now listen I'm to me. Why do you listen to the why do you listen to the program? What I'm you, looking after you, John. And what, you, what the hell are you talking what are you talking about anyway, Norman? I don't know what you're talking about. Australia's king of talkback radio, John Laws, returns Monday, 9 a.m. Yes. Looking forward to that. The return of the king, no one. It will ever come close. Long live the King, as we say. Tina is on the open line, 13 12 69. Hello, Tina. 
Hi, is that Marcus? Speaking, Tina. Yes, it is, Marcus. Yeah, hi, Marcus. You invited women to call in where your topic, um, abortion. Well, it was, only to... brought, it was brought up um, because uh, some people uh, linked, for some reason, abortion to the fact that, unfortunately, a six-month-old uh, well, six fetus passed away in that accident in Brisbane. So that's why we brought it up, just for those that yeah, are just tuning in. Yeah, that was terrific, that, yeah. Awful. Um, now, the only comment I wanted to make, that technically it's called termination of pregnancy, Abortion is a bit of a slang term in a way. Technically, yeah. it's a termination of pregnancy. Also, Marcus, I don't myself think it's correct to say that a woman would use it as a form of contraception. That's all I wanted to say. Okay? Uh, well, I agree. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, an earlier email has suggested that was the case. Uh, look, again, I understand that it's a, a very emotive and divisive issue. All I will say, as a as a bloke, and uh, I mean, what right as a bloke really do I have in really saying anything uh, in relation to terminations? What I do believe, though, in my heart of hearts, is that a woman should have the choice. And here in Australia, we give women the choice. Rightly or wrongly, that's what we do. Uh, a note here, um, my girlfriend was raped and she went ahead and had a lovely baby boy. She chose to forget the horrid way he was made and rejoice in his little life. Well, that's a nice uh, SMS that's come through. Thank you. Uh, and of course, everybody's circumstances are different. Absolutely. And the issue is that women should have that choice to make. And that's why I got a little cranky with the caller earlier who uh, tried to you know, in some warped and sick way, suggests that, well, you're lucky your mum didn't abort you. Um, a ridiculous comment. Um, chosen to be divisive and to, to, I don't know, try and ram home some points that she believes abortions were abhorrent. And look, you are within your right to believe that. Absolutely you, absolutely you are. That's the beauty, again, of living in democracy. I simply don't agree. And because I'm uh, pro-choice, if you like, and I believe that women should be able to make their decisions under the, uh, the current laws, does that mean I'm a bad person? And should I be abused like the way that woman rang and abused me? I don't believe so. I didn't abuse her for her choice or her opinion. Well, I did, eventually, after I'd had enough of her. All right, is it Gilly, is it? Gilly, is that how we pronounce it? That's right, Marcus, it's Gilly. Hi, Gilly. Hi, Marcus, how are you? Well, thank you, and thank you for calling. Okay, Marcus. Um, I, I listen to you, you know, nearly every morning. Thank you. And, and sometimes I agree, sometimes I disagree. Yep. Um, this morning I'm disagreeing with you. That's fine. I, I, and I don't think... I don't think, I think you should just stop talking about termination, Marcus, because as a bloke, like you just said, as a bloke, really, um, you know, you, you, you have no idea. No, of course I don't. I'll, I, yes, so, I said so, that. And that woman, was it Caroline that rang? Yes, I think it was earlier, yes. Caroline? I, I agree with her, Marcus. I agree with what she said. She's an older woman. Um, 
and she didn't go off at she did go off at you towards the end, but you also told her. Um, you know, Marcus, this this um, abortion issue, or as as we should be calling it, termination. Mm. Um, it's really. I, why why have you? Why are you digging into this? Why? Are well, you, I'm not digging into anything. You, I'm not digging into anything. It came up as I went to. Uh, well, I went to great lengths to explain not long ago that it was brought up because somebody linked it to the tragic death of uh, this this unborn baby up there in Queensland, so I didn't bring it up. But you didn't bring it up, Marcus, but you won't stop talking about it. Well, I'm going now with what... I mean, you're... Hang on, hang on. You're ringing and talking about it, Gilly. If you hadn't rung and <laughs> tried to talk to me about it, I wouldn't be talking about it. I can go to Luke and talk, to about, tr- talk about Trump, if you prefer. I mean, Abortion I'm, is wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong in the Bible. It's wrong in Christianity. So why you are you a Christian? Oh look, I'm not going to uh, talk to you why about not? that because why I don't not? I don't See? like talking about religion yeah, on the air. Just, that's what you do, don't you? What do I do? You hang up when you do when this happens to you. Well, of course I can hang up. It's I'm, look, I'm it's my radio program. Of course it is. Good on you, Marcus. That's great. But can't you just going to hang up on me when when we get to a topic that you don't like? No, I just don't want to answer your question. It's my right not, not to answer. You make people answer your question. No, now I don't. I don't make anybody answer. Are you a Christian, answer. Marcus? I don't make anybody Are you a Christian? Answer Are you anything. a believing Christian, Marcus? I'm not going to talk to you about that. Really? Well, if you are, which I think you are, because I've told, I've heard you say it before, you talk about... Well, then why are you asking me again you? for? Why are you asking me again for? Okay. This, this is blasphemy. Don't stop. The abortion is against Christianity. It's wrong. In your opinion. In your opinion. Abortion is wrong. In your opinion. In your in your definition of what the Bible says. But the Bible also says a stack of other things that obviously aren't appropriate to today. Why should uh, a termination? Why should the clause or whatever it is the the phrase or paragraph or whatever? Why should uh, you just pick out things that suit your agenda, Gilly? There are plenty of things in the Bible that don't make sense in this modern day age. <laughs> okay, I didn't hang up on it, all right? Uh, right to lifers. Again, feel free to ring and have your opinion. Um, but if, uh, if you're against abortion, it looks like we're going to butt heads. Uh, because, you know, I, I, feel, I feel that women should have the choice. And I think I'm in the majority here. Uh, and as to you know whether or not I'm into or follow quite closely religion, okay, look, I'm on the record of saying, yes, I'm a Roman Catholic, but do I follow the letter of the Bible and live in how we live our lives? You know, on the 28th of what is it, the 28th of January 2021? No, of course not. There's plenty of phrases and passages in the Bible that are nowhere near appropriate for how we live in modern-day times. And I think the phrase <laughs> abortion or termination or whatever the hell you want to call it is something that is well and truly outdated. My opinion. Agree or disagree? 13 12 69, the telephone number. Marcus Ball in the morning. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. If we all agreed all the time, oh, how boring would life be? 
Absolutely, mate. Uh, isn't yep. it great that we live in a country where we can have different opinions because there are a lot of places around this globe where you can't? You know, it's yeah, uh, that's a part of, of living in Australia, our de- a democracy. And as, I, as I've said most of the morning, mate, Dave, as I've said, Dave, uh, we won the lottery of life living in this wonderful country. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, well, let's go. A full war. Look at them all. Look at them all. Okay, where do I start? Well, unfortunately, Gilly, you have opened up a hornet's nest here. And it's obvious that people want to continue talking about abortion. So let's go to Paul. Hello, Paul. How are you? Hello, mate. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, what did you want to say, Paul? I, I basically just called to annoy... What, what was her name? Gilly. I, I, <laughs> honestly, all you've done this morning is follow the conversation where it went, and unfortunately it went towards the termination of pregnancy. And, and I, I just want to comment on that woman's attitude. How can you ring and say to you, who, 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 who's advocating essentially pro-choice, that as a man, you shouldn't have a view. It's a ridiculous argument. If you were sitting there saying that abortion should be outlawed, then her argument would have some validity. But if you're, if you're advocating the right of women to choose, how can you possibly use you're a man as an argument to criticise your view? Well, that's what a lot of pro-lifers do, but that's okay. Uh, and I understand that. And, uh, of course, I would never in a million years know what it's like to be a woman to have to make a difficult choice like terminating a baby. I've got a note here that's come through from a number of, uh, well, emailers, but uh, this one through now, uh, let's have a look. No woman wants to have an abortion. No one goes for an abortion for fun, but women have the right to make that choice. And that's from Ash. And Ash is a woman. So, look, if you want to have your say, 13, 12, 69, thank you, appreciate it. Wayne, good morning to you. Wayne, how are you? Yes, uh, good day, Marcus. Just um, in regards to these um, right to lifers, look, it really depends on the circumstances, and I don't um, care what religion you are. I'll tell you a little bit of a true story um, about my cousin on my mother's side. Yeah. Uh, a stunning, a beautiful girl. Um, absolutely stunning. At 22 years old, she was actually at a party and uh, she, she was actually gang-raped by, by oh. three mongrels. And, um, so sorry. Uh, sorry? I'm so sorry to hear that. That's awful. Well, absolutely disgraceful. And she, she was raped and uh, she was in a very bad way um, for a long time. She found out about two two months later that she was actually pregnant. Now, anybody these right to lifers think that that poor girl does not have a right to terminate a baby when she wouldn't even know who the father was. She was actually just raped, and you cannot tell me that there's a person alive that would want to have that child. Well, that's why I put to the earlier caller who basically started off this whole conversation. I, I said to her, and I, uh, I had to check myself because for a moment I couldn't believe the words coming out of my mouth. But I turned around and I said, well, what if you were raped? And uh, this is me addressing an older, an older listener, and I didn't mean any disrespect by it, but I did ask her straight out, what if you were raped? Would you want to keep the child? And she quite clearly answered, yes. 
I don't get that. Um, sorry, I do get that. But I would imagine that would be probably uh, a response maybe that a small percentage of women would reply in the affirmative to. But again, it'll be their choice because that's how our abortion war uh, laws work or our termination laws work here in Australia. 13 12 69. Um, I just want to go quickly to Phil. Hello, Phil. Are you there, mate? Yes, I am. How are you, sir? Yeah, well, thanks. Excellent. I just thought I'd ring and compliment you over your show for the past <laughs> week. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Um, in particular, I know you have quite a few confrontations with people. Um, and there's a certain word I can't use on air that, you know, describes that I, I refer to those people as. But I think we've, in that sense, we've got to take up the cause jointly, a lot of us, and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a my, one of my saying is we need to call these people what they are heads because <laughs> they don't realise. Um, oh, you know, yeah. unless we inform them that they are what they are, they're um, going through life in a deluded state where they think they don't have this problem. So ignorance yeah, is often I, bliss. Ignorance is often bliss. But look, I, yeah. I, I appreciate your, your kind words. But look, I like I like the. Uh, the occasional on-air spat. I think it makes it for interesting listening. Hopefully it does. I know there are some people out there that don't think that's good radio, but, I mean, it's probably a bit of par part of my personality. Here I am replacing a, a legend of Australian radio, the best there ever was and ever will be. Here's me, a younger-sounding bloke. Some people don't even like my voice. A young yeah, bloke, well. young upstart. Uh, he sounds half intelligent. He's a bit of a lefty. He always seems to support Labor. He loves bashing up Gladys and Scott Morrison. So I, I just don't like him. Yeah, <laughs> well, my, my, my general take is uh, I don't know where we would compare on our political views, but I tend to have my general take as you say it as you see it. And I think that's, that's it. Commended. That's so, it. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Thanks for taking my call and enjoy your day. You too, Phil, and thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it and I appreciate the support. 13 12 69. Cole, hello. Are you there, Cole? Yeah, g'day, Marcus. How you going, buddy? G'day, Cole. Good, thank you. Excellent, mate. Listen, um, <laughs> I love the irony when someone rings up and goes, why are you talking about this? Like, well, mate, if, you, if, you, if I had taken Luke's call, we'd be talking about Trump. <laughs> I just don't get it. Anyway, mate, what I wanted to say, Marcus, I was just rung up to one of the good things living in Australia is freedom of speech, right? So she's allowed to tout her religious things and say all that stuff yes. to the point where she's repeating the word blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> and who the hell do you think you are that you can say one word over and over that will make you superior? Her freedom of speech, she wants to have an invisible friend. She believes in that's fantastic. You go believe in yours, but I don't have to. Not say a certain word, Jehovah, Jehovah. There it is. I said it. I said it, um, and that's blasphemy. All I said was that was a meal fit for Jehovah. Sorry, I'm quoting Monty Python now. I'm with but you. This, I'm with this you. This whole argument is Pythonesque. It, it, I it just is. couldn't help but ring, mate. It it's is Pythonesque. That's why I, yeah, sorry, sorry, mate. That's why I said, um, you know, if you choose to believe uh, in the Holy Bible and and you want to paraphrase it and you want to live your life as best you can uh, by the letter of the Bible, that's fine. But you're going to find yourself, I don't know, stuck in some time that land forgot that's nowhere near compatible <laughs> wait, with where we are today. 
Marcus, there's a solution, my friend, because there's something called the Old Testament. That mm. didn't fit in well, so they rewrote it, added a thing called heaven. Get it? That wasn't in the Old Testament. Added a thing called heaven because that suited them better. <laughs> Maybe it's time, Bible bashers out there, let's have a new, brand new New Testament. Will we just write in the internet and God was on the internet and the <laughs> SMS Jesus and... That's just, all right, that's don't you enough. Don't get it? It's, someone wrote this. It's not true. That's enough. All there right, Marcus. mate. You'll get me in trouble. Thank you. Todd, are you there, Todd? Yeah, how you going? All right, thank you, Todd. What's on your mind, my friend? Um, I'm just going to agree with Paul. One of the callers just a bit earlier, like, I think um, it's just as much our right as a, as a male too to sort of have a bit of a say and, and not be sort of... Um, putting the spotlight for saying something like that? Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, certainly, um, I've had these discussions and arguments previously. Uh, so we don't get the final decision. That's up to... that, And that should well and truly be up to uh, the woman involved. But, you know, a woman can't make a baby without you or I. Uh, certainly our contribution goes a long way. Uh, oh, so ultimately, that's... you should we should be able to have a say. Yes. That's right. And so that's exactly right. And at the end of the day, that it is their, their say at the end of the day, but they have to put up with the consequences as well with, with what happens after they abort. Um, it is a long road. It is it is tough. And um, Well, I'd, and I'd it's, argue it's probably also difficult if a decision is made, say, you know, you, uh, you, you're in a, a relationship, you're a couple, you're not ready to start a family, uh, um, you become pregnant. I would imagine even for the, the fella, uh, the bloke involved, who's involved in that decision as well, I reckon that possibly he may second-guess himself and he may uh, suffer because of it as well. That's exactly right, exactly right. And um, also, your show is awesome. We love it. We're only a young couple that listen to you, so we, we just, yeah, you're doing a great job. All right, mate. Well, thank you, and, and pass the word along, okay? <laughs> Perfect, bud. Take care. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Uh, quick break. Back with more of your calls next. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. All right, welcome back. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Uh, the trolls strike back. 0458-049209. Yes, some ex- SMS is coming through. I'll get to in just a tick. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. All right. Uh, I'm a good Christian. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Also, I believe in choices regarding terminations. Wake up, Gilly. That's from Mary. Uh, And here come the trolls. Marcus, you should know ignorance is bliss. You're a great example. Ha, ha, ha. And this one, Marcus, John Laws is not stupid. He is happy to have you filling in for him as he knows you would not be a threat to take his spot permanently. You should be on the ABC. You would maybe fit in there. Regards, Les. Thank you, Les. I bet you if I was on Auntie, you'd probably still listen to me, you idiot. All right, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Leone, yes, hello. Yes, how are you going, Marcus? Having fun, Leone. Yeah, well, I just um, wanted to mention a couple of facts that people probably don't realise about the abortion laws. Um, A lot of people don't realise we have full-term abortions here too. Like you were saying, uh, you don't believe in full-term abortions. Well, nobody should be... It copped up last year because um, 
John was speaking about it when I think the New Zealand laws were going through and he said, you know, a, you know, taking a baby at full term, he said that's murder. And so that, that's where I rang in because um, last year, oh, actually it was a year before, that there's new laws that said abortions are made available on request during the first 22 weeks. But the next bit was the important bit. It says after that time, two doctors must agree that it is appropriate based on a woman's uh, current and future physical, psychological and social circumstances. Now, this is similar to laws in other states and territories mm -hmm. so, and it's not hard these days to find two pro-abortion doctors who would agree with the lady if she said she was it was psychologically disturbing or if it wasn't good time financially. Yeah. And, and what's very disturbing too, all states except New South Wales a baby born alive after a failed abortion is not given medical attention but left to die. Yeah, I don't and like is, that. I don't no, like that No, and this is what happened in New Zealand last yes. year too because um, Jacinda Ardern and 80 other MPs were responsible for defeating an attempt to at least require medical help for babies born alive. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so look, there, it, there's yeah. a lot of bad stuff happening that people don't realise and, you know, they put it up in the media that oh it's all all right and yeah but you've got to look deeper and find out yeah what is actually going on no well we've had this debate thank you leonie i appreciate your call we've had this debate uh, in new south wales um last year it'll always be an issue uh, i don't agree with late term abortions or late term terminations uh, I don't agree. Uh, again, it's a personal situation. Everyone's going to have their own opinions. But certainly, after 20 weeks, um, if you've been pregnant for 20 weeks, then maybe uh, you should go full term and then look at other options if you cannot look after the child. Put the child up for adoption. There'd be a range of things you could do to ensure that child is cared for and looked after. I mean, the problem as well, um, of course, are our bloody adoption laws. Maybe if we made it a little easier to adopt here in Australia, then we would see less abortions. I don't know. That's just, again, I'm not an expert. I'm just throwing a few ideas out there. But I don't, I, like Leone, and I understand, I I just, ugh, the thought of a, uh, a late-term fetus just being left to die on a sterile benchtop, no. No, absolutely not. Uh, Frank says, further to my last email, Marcus, I wish to finish up by saying that 100,000 abortions every year shows that we have failed as a society. What better record for the rest of the world to envy would it be if Australia were not one abortion, bar only for medical reasons? Well, Frank, that won't happen. OK, it just will not happen. Uh, here we go as well. This one from Frederick, abortions and rapes. It's a poor argument, Marcus. Come on. There are approximately 100,000 abortions every year. To use the case of rape to support abortions is ridiculous. How many of these abortions would be the result of rapes? I'd say it'd be negligible. Also, to say that men don't have a say in itself is wrong. Some women don't want to have an abortion, but their boyfriends or husbands push them to do it. Yeah, Frederick, you're right, absolutely, and I don't agree with that. Certainly, I believe men should be able to at least have a part in the conversation, but we shouldn't have the final say, absolutely not. And if a bloke out there is forcing a woman to have an abortion, well, then 
as far as I'm concerned, that is tantamount to domestic violence and quite severe abuse. All right, um, let's have a look here. Uh, Paul, hello there, Paul. Oh, yeah. Is that you, Marcus? It is, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, thanks for taking the call, Marcus. And Pleasure. I just... Um, um, <laughs> I just uh, feeling a rather rather sorry for you this morning being bashed over the head. Now, look, um, this it, tragic. I just want to make a brief comment, mate. It's all been covered, but you know this um, tragedy with this uh, lunatic kid on whatever he's on, m- murdering these people. Mm. Um, sadly, that's inextricably linked to this abortion issue, and I think everybody can see that because it just opens the floodgate all over again. Yep. Um, Look, Marcus, I, um, I'm appalled by, by some of the attitude of these people that call themselves Christian. I, I, I would be considered um, in my workplace, I've got mates all over the place, I, I, I'm, I'm deeply religious, yep. um, but I, I sincerely respect people's opinions. And, and I just think some of these... I, I forget, like, Leanne's a regular caller, and she, she's generally pretty respectful, but there was a couple of women there this morning, and I, I, I'm just appalled by, by the fact that they call themselves Christians, Marcus. Uh, well, look, it's um, an emotive issue, and I don't take offence to it. You know me, mate, I love, I love the argy-bargy, and I love the banter, and even when it gets a little willing, because I love biting bat, that's just in my nature. Uh, yeah. But, you know, look, I... Um, I have to say, even though these the ladies that rang this morning that were very upset and agitated, etc. I mean, they it's their right to believe in what they want to believe in, Paul, and and they should have a right to have a say on it. But just like you're ringing up to, I guess to <laughs> to say that you don't like that. No, no, and and I like I I'm I'm 180 degrees in, in the opposite view to you, and I thoroughly respect. Uh, your opinion, I, I truly do. All, all I would say, what I really want to say to those people, and I, I, I really hope they're listening. If they really respect the Bible as they say they do, please go to it and learn the lessons that Jesus taught about tolerance and respect. For crying out loud! Fair enough. Stop, stop the arrogance. Okay, mate. Anyway, thank thanks, you. Thanks for the. Have a good day, mate. All right, all the best, Luke. Hello, Luke. Hey, how you going, Marcus? What a very interesting fourth and back this morning. But, uh, hey, these Christians, and I'm a Christian, um, what right have they got to tell people who aren't Christians how they should lead their life? And um, we've got no right at all to invade someone's life and tell them you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the other. That's not, that's not our... We've got freedom of choice in, in our country, and we've got freedom of life where we can make choices. Um, It's very clear to me the history of the church, you know, the Spanish Inquisition, the Crusades, they've made some terrible choices that cost a lot of lives. How many people lost their lives in the Spanish Inquisition? How many lost their lives in the Crusades? Okay, but even modern day, uh, religion is uh, is to blame for how many wars, how many deaths, how many atrocities. Let's not go through it all. Uh, I mean, there are so many different religions out there, and unfortunately, all of them have been uh, basically been linked to some sort of atrocity, war or otherwise. So let's move on from that. Let's move on from there. Um, Today is the 28th of January. Yes. Um, Jason Pollock, everyone in Canberra knows about the Blue Poles. A lot of people have seen the big painting that cost $2 million Mm. um, in... And uh, he, old Jason Pollock, I didn't know this till this morning. I was thinking, how old is he? And he's, he, he, he made a decision in 1956 to get into his Cadillac 
when he was off his head on alcohol, oh, and he, he died. He yes. took the life of a friend. His girlfriend survived. But, you know, this, this guy, they used to call him Jack the Dripper because he used to paint with drips and would put footy boots on and trample it around. But the, the amazing thing, the decision that our government made then was to buy this Blue Poles for $2 million. They reckon it's worth four times as much now, if not more. Right. Is there a um, point have you here? Seen it there at all? Uh, yes, but what's it the point? Looks a bit like wallpaper to me, but I was I was thinking very big news. From Art Norway. is subjective. At the moment, Luke. we're all talking about what sort of car we're going to have and where the cars are in the future. Check out Norway EV electronic vehicles. Nearly sixty to seventy percent of the cars in Norway are electronic. Well, of course they are, because Norway is a spec. In comparison to Australia, everything's so damn close to everything else. And, of course, in countries of Europe, it's easy to get the electronic vehicles on the market sold because their their geography allows electronic vehicles to be used the way they should be. EVs, yes, they're great in inner city, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, etc., but you try, I'm sorry, uh, I've had this discussion so many times. Electronic vehicles in Australia will never overtake uh, what we currently have. The problem is, the reason is we drive so much and we drive such long distances. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. not, you moron, from all of the texts and phone calls I get, Ralph, think you're an absolute nut job. Yeah, well, that's what Satan would say. And Satan wants to... Well, I got an email as well from Satan. He says exactly the same thing. Marcus, this is Satan. Ralph is a nut job. Yes, mate. I'd just like to bring to your attention that the more people that ring up and complain about you, the better, and we'll get you off the air. Oh, really? Thank you very much, mate. The only way to get through to some of you people because some of you people, people morons. Well, you are a moron, Rob. And um, maybe um, be taken off the air. As I'll quick be as taken possible. off the air. Why, Rob? Because then I wouldn't be able to have fun with complete knobs like you. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, I got a note here. Uh, it was Jackson Pollock, the name of the artist uh, that Luke was referring to. Uh, look, <laughs> can I be honest? I'm sorry. Sometimes I, and I shouldn't, I know, sometimes I tune out when Luke comes on. He goes from one topic to another, to another, to another, and I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Anyway, Jackson Pollock is an American artist. Do you believe this bloke actually sold one of his paintings for a record $140 million. I've had a look at his paintings. I think my kids did better at the daycare centre I sent them to at Runaway Bay on the Gold Coast. Amazing. (laughs) But as I said, art is subjective and we know that. Rod is there. He's been waiting a while. G'day, Rod. How are you? Yeah, g'day, Marcus. How are you? All right, thanks, Rod. What's on your mind? Uh, just getting away from the right to life and all that sort Please. of stuff. I, uh, yes. I just want to talk about, we, we, we've started to be, the government's saying they're going to lower the price of nat, uh, natural gas. Mm. And I actually worked at an oil rig in Western Australia in the late 60s. Wow, okay. And and uh, the rig called the Jubilee, it was called, and uh, they drilled for oil, and I was on there for about four months or so, 
And I, I wandered up to the, the geologist one day and I said, well, we've been drilling enough. We keep capping them and, and getting natural gas. When are we going to discover oil? He said, oh, I don't know, mate, but he said there's enough natural gas up the northwest shelf mm. to supply Australia for its lifetime. And that was a geologist. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, what was life like on one of those uh, oil rigs you're referring to? It was, fanta- oh, it was fantastic, I yeah. thought. We, we okay. got well fed and everything, but it was rough. It was, it was hard. Very, very hard work. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I was classes. I was classes around about, which was handing the the drill pipes up to the directman and yeah, uh, to set set them to drill, and uh, cool. then the roughnecks did all the rest of the work. But uh, <laughs> I'd get but seasick. We, I think I would get seasick. That, <laughs> well, we were we were a platform rig. It had four oh, legs okay. on it and went straight down to the uh, it was the largest largest uh, rig ever towed to Australia. Fascinating. It was towed by by eight. Tugboat from Houston, Texas, yeah, to Australia, and uh, it had four legs on it. And they jack them down until it hit the ground, uh, hit the surface of the, you know, the sand. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, Rod, you look after yourself, mate. Thank you for the call. Thank you, both. Bye bye. Hello, Richard. Are you there? Yes. Hello, mate. What's on your mind? Oh, good night, mate. Look, um, I'm just getting a bit annoyed because the show seems to be hijacked by the uh, abortion and anti-abortion, whereas. I think we should keep our rage on this 17-year-old who allegedly killed these people. Yeah. You know, that, that's where we need to keep our rage, and, and that's where, you know, with all respect to you, Marcus, that's where you started talking this morning, and that you seem to get hijacked by, you know, your to and fro. I, I think we should keep our rage on this 17-year-old and, and the laws that need to be changed, mate. That's where we need to keep our rage, not... Not fighting against each other about abortion, that's for another time. So well said. let's keep our rage up on this 17-year-old and others like him mm. who, who get out on bail. Let's, let's put the pressure on our, our, our lawmakers, our judges and, and things, not, not on each other about abortion and anti-abortion. All right, well, Ron, are you there? Ron, did you hold on? No, Ron didn't hold on. Oh, see, the problem I've got now is that all the other callers left want to talk about the abortion issue. So I guess we'll talk about that. Scott, are you still there? Yeah, good day, Marcus. How are you, mate? All right, Scott. What did you want to say, buddy? Oh, I just wanted to go the other way with the um, the religious side, with um, how, how the silence is deafening and, and how the double standards are. They, they're the first to jump on the radio and complain about anti-abortion and euthanasia. But when there's a rural we're all inquiring to um, to the clergy and, and, yep. and other ministers yep. assaulting young children. Mm-hmm. The silence is deafening. Of course it is. They don't get on the radio and, and, and say nothing too much about that, but as soon as this comes up, you can't shut them up. Well, that's it. And, uh, you know, when it came to uh, details about Mr Pell and others... Uh, <laughs> Yes, the silence was deafening. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, Ray, hello. Are you there? Marcus, yes. Hey, Ray. Marcus, yeah, first time caller, mate. Um, Look, I jumped in the car and heard the abortion debate going on. (laughs) Um, There was a gentleman back where he talked about the unfortunate where the girl was gang raped and and she fell pregnant and she, you know. Awful story, yeah. Oh, shocking and and you know he said there's no one on earth who'd have that child mm. marcus i know two people on earth who'd have that child my wife and i would would gladly take a child who you know 
save her from from uh, save the poor child from you know being terminated. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And this is the thing that I did want to talk about, uh, and we've run out of time today, unfortunately. Uh, and we'll we can pick it up tomorrow if you want. Thank you to those. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't get to everybody today, but. Uh, maybe that's something we should look at, and that is the uh, poor rate in our country of adoption. Maybe if we adjusted the adoption laws here in Australia and allowed more and more people to be able to adopt, then perhaps there would be far less abortions. That's my opinion. Let's talk about it tomorrow, but that's it for me today. Thank you so much for all your phone calls, emails, SMSs, etc. Catch you tomorrow.